0: Thanks, everybody, for joining. Um, we have some bad news. We were supposed to be joined today by
1: Drew Gooden, but, you know, I haven't I haven't heard anything from him. Well, Travis, you, I don't think that's fair, because you did say some things and did some things that I think might have put him in an area that we don't currently have access to.
0: Are you suggesting that it's my fault that Drew is missing?
1: Not, I don't want to as- ascribe fault, aside from the fact that it is what you did. That, that put him where he is. And mm. at this point, I think we all know where he is, but I'm afraid to say it. I think... The legal perjury.
2: I know where Drew is. Huh?
1: Where's Drew? He's right here. Whereabouts? Drew? Drew? Can you hear me? Yes. Drew, what's it like down there? Hot. Whoa, okay. That's a lot more dramatic than I was expecting. I was thinking maybe you were just in like a... a Purgatory type position. It sounds like maybe you've been punished for your deeds. No, I went straight to the bottom. Wow. You are very deep. Yeah. Is anybody there with you, any other YouTubers?
2: Uh pretty much every YouTuber, uh, yes, they're Mm. all here.
1: All good YouTubers go to hell.
2: Yeah, it seems to be the moment you make a YouTube account, this is where you end up. Oh,
1: a lot of people there. You know, that does make sense. Even like a lurker account with no comments or videos?
2: Yeah, no, they're That
1: seems unfair.
2: They don't even have their human faces. Their face has been replaced with a default Uh, profile picture icon. Uh, no,
1: they're branding. The worst thing to lose. (laughs) Yeah,
2: it's really unfortunate.
1: Uh, Do you know
0: how you might be able to, like, get out? I
1: don't know, you put me here.
0: Mm. Remember? Mm -hmm. I think, uh, well, I think the deed's put you there. Wait, no, wait, he's right, he's right. I did put him here. Look, it's, uh, it's Drew, I I fixed it. I'm sorry, everyone. Yes. Oh my God, you did it. I accidentally put
1: Drew in hell. (laughs) (laughs) You took him out with the click of a button. (laughs) That was (laughs) was easy. Shout out to the easy (laughs) button. Yeah, it's that simple.
0: Welcome to Sad Boys, a podcast about feelings
1: and other things. Also, I'm Jarvis, and I'm Jordan. And my my hair's getting long enough to the point now where I'm drying it with paper towels. <laughs> nice.
0: And today we are joined by a very special guest. He's just the guy being dude, the creator of YouTube himself. Oh, also an NBA player. Can't get forget that.
1: Drew Gooden. Everybody,
2: mm, congrats. That's
0: right.
1: Yay! Oh, oh,
2: oh thank you.
1: Oh. Clapping awesome. and, and excitement. It's <laughs> yeah.
2: uh, so, so wonderful to be here, uh, especially considering I was just in hell about 90 the seconds ago. The contrast is probably
1: pretty good, yeah. Yeah,
2: mm. I, I'd be happy to be anywhere right now. If I was in, like, a hospital, I'd still be happy just because it's
0: not hell.
1: Mm. So. The second worst place. <laughs>
0: yeah. That's the type of emotionally manipulative shit we're up to here on Sad Boys. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs> Sad Boys, it could be worse. It's not literally hell. <laughs> You're right, it works, so.
1: Okay, well.
0: Drew's here today. We're just going to chat, hang out, do our normal thing. But before all of that, Drew, how was your week? My week, uh, it, was,
2: it was pretty good. Um, I made a video. Nice. Uh, waiting, for the, waiting for the brand to get back to me. You know how it is. Yeah. You're done with the video and you're all ready to post and then they take either one day or like four days and,
3: mm. you know.
0: Um, so, uh, yeah, but other than that, it was good. Good week. I think that if I don't get a video done in a week, it makes me feel bad. <laughs> Do you, Are you able to like get over that? Like, it's like, hey, I put in the work, the video didn't happen, but you know.
2: Um. Well, it depends. I mean, I definitely don't have a schedule mm-hmm. to where it's like, if I don't have a video in a week, it's a disappointment or that people are surprised. Cause I'll mm-hmm. just, I'll randomly disappear for like a couple weeks at a time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then people are always like, where did you go? Or they'll, you know, you'll get, I'll get DMs or like, are you okay? And then I just yeah. come back with a video and don't acknowledge like, oh, okay. how long I was going. Yeah,
0: everybody's cool. No, that's good. Yeah. I think having a schedule is an aspiration that I've not been able to reach <laughs> to this yeah. day. Yeah.
1: Since there's no uh, schedule, is it closer to sort of like a a hunger or an addiction where you intuitively feel like it hasn't been, it's been too long?
2: Yeah, that's actually a good way to. Put it, You know, I make a video and depending on how much time I spend on it It's like, alright, I deserve a little bit of a break and then as soon as I get to the point where I feel like, okay I'm uh, a piece of shit now. The break has gone on too long. <laughs> yeah, or I just have an idea I'm really excited about I feel like at this point in my YouTube journey The thing I spend the longest doing anymore is trying to figure out what the fuck a video is going to be Me Once too. I have the yeah. idea it's pretty straightforward from there, especially yeah. once I've recorded too. Like editing can be tedious, but it's like yeah, that's the easiest yeah. part because it's all done. It's just yeah. it's just technical work at this point. Put it all I, together. Yeah.
0: And- so one thing that I would say I'm really impressed by uh, Drew is that you make stuff that like you want to make like there's a lot of low hanging fruit on youtube where it's like oh you did the big thing do it again like volume 7 yeah. and like make that your entire brand but i've consistently see seen like a lot of range from you and it's clear that you're talking about topics and stuff that are like near and dear and that's hard to do on the platform so i think it's like really admirable and really impressive that that you're you're doing that and you're creating like really great work
2: appreciate it yeah no that's definitely i think especially this year too it's that's i could hit a point where it's like if i am making videos that i am not super invested in but i'm making it because i feel like i should make it or because it's a popular thing on top of all the other emotions i'm feeling it's just it would be self-destruction so even if i know like I make a video about like a a video game streaming service that I know is not gonna get nearly as many views as the rest of my videos, but I enjoy making it and it fulfills me in that way. It's like, that's more important to me at this point than getting like those sweet, sweet views.
0: I 100% agree with that. Um, And we can talk more about that later, but Jordan, I wanna hear how your week has been.
1: Oh man, Uh, well, as my addiction is not putting out a video, so I've been running pretty smooth on that one. Nice. Yeah, as far as topics that I enjoy, uh, my, the topics that I enjoy are lethargy and a lack of impact or creative fulfillment. Oh, shit! That's, that's that's sort of what I'm into. What um, a rush. <laughs> I like. Yeah, I'm a masochist in that way. Uh, yeah, I'm relatively a little little wacky. We talked about it on Friday, but I was coming off of a slightly wiggly, wiggly wild uh, hypermanic episode, which, you know... Hey, that's that's the that's the style with bipolar too. You know, you're riding the wave. Yeah. Sometimes it's bad, and sometimes it's not great. But that's <laughs> actually exclusively it. Um, but yeah. But on no, the bright
0: side, I hate it.
1: <laughs> yeah, but on the bright side, at least it happens a lot. Uh, uh, yeah, it was all right. It's it's the spikes are a little bit more intense and and long term because of COVID. But overall, I mean, Sad Boys is a joy to do. Life Otherwise is, I mean, now that this is my full time thing, I'm I'm realizing that I have maybe hobbies and interests outside of my career in the past i feel like you can get lost in the aesthetic of career if that's that's your focus for a certain amount of time yeah for sure i yeah i don't know been no no flex but i have been playing a lot of mountain blade one of the worst video games ever made what is that i've never
0: heard of that never heard of it
1: (laughs) it's um if you've ever thought Wow, what would it be like to play a medieval simulator from a bird's eye view, which isn't fun in any way, but at least you can play it a lot and think that it's a good spend of time and then realize that you're getting absolutely dominated, restart the game and do worse again? Are you describing Runescape,
0: uh, my favorite game to <laughs> spend my entire yes. life on?
1: No, it's a version of RuneScape where you lose a lot of hours and feel unfulfilled if you can mm. imagine. That is RuneScape though. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say yeah. What are you talking about?
0: <laughs> Runescape is a bit of a skinner box where I, yeah. I do feel like I'm getting like payouts of of like neurotransmitters like dopamine and stuff for, for yeah. all my things. That yeah. is the
1: ultimate we're probably going to get into RuneScape in detail but I've always liked that RuneScape is the kind of skinner box that doesn't hide it. Like RuneScape is very well, transparently just like MMOs there to in give general. you those long term boosts. Yeah
0: because there's even that yeah. um There's that anti-MMO, not anti-MMO, but it's like a, this is a very old game that was a commentary on the genre that was called Progress Quest. And it was just a game that you like hit, like start on, and then all of your stuff went up over time. And then it would Mm. tell you, you like leveled up and it's like, you didn't have to do anything, but you would still like get a little bit of a, oh, hey, look. (laughs) Uh, The rush of cookie clicker. Yeah, it's like cookie clicker with less activity.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's the dream.
2: Yeah, they don't really hide it. That the whole point is just like, I want to see the number get higher yeah. And in order to do that, I need to click on the same object 9,000 times. It's true. And, mm. and it's a game that requires very little attention most of the time. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. most of the time it's like, I'm watching Netflix and clicking on my other monitor. It's, it's like, in the culture yeah.
0: of the game. And it's so interesting to see like how, mm-hmm. well, actually let's get into RuneScape talk. My week was fine, everybody. Um, <laughs> active
1: RuneScape week?
0: I actually haven't played in a few weeks, but what I was going to say is like, I played so Yeah, much. I thought I
1: saw you shaking.
0: <laughs> I'm tweaking, man. I haven't gotten my, my XP fix. I have another
2: point on RuneScape please, too. just please. on that. It's just that like on the uh, RuneScape subreddit or whatever, you know, mm. a common term is, uh, term is efficiency scape. Because the whole oh, yeah. point of the game is not to have fun. It's to do things in the most... Time efficient way as possible, and your if you waste time, you're wasting XP and hashtag no XP waste, no XP (laughs) waste, exactly,
0: yeah. It's, uh, it's
2: it's stressful that after a while you start to feel like, and it's you. It's like, oh, I enjoyed doing this thing for a while. And then you realize, oh, I could have done it in a more efficient way. Yeah. Did I
0: really have fun then?
1: I've lost hours that I would have spent doing RuneScape, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. It's so dumb. OK, so like quick background on RuneScape. Massively multiplayer uh, online RPG created in mm. the late 90s by brothers Andrew and Paul Gower, started as a MUD, uh, a multi-user dungeon.
1: Um, and then the 90s was an era of many, many, many years before you were born. Yeah, like-
0: <laughs> Do I have the Wikipedia open? I don't know. I'm sure no, my like screen. A, like you tell me.
1: Camp- <laughs> yeah. <It laughs> yeah, yeah, looks yeah. Like you're
0: looking down like you have a brochure for. I'm, yeah, I'm looking down into the, the annals of my mind.
1: <laughs> but I would love to get sponsored by RuneScape.
0: So oh, RuneScape launched initially as a Java web browser MMO, got a lot of popularity. It, eventually, it grew into RuneScape 2, which is the most popular version of the game. Also in browser for the majority of its life. Then, around like 2009 or whatever, they made a bunch of changes to the game that the community didn't like and it created a, a mass exodus from the game. Um, RuneScape went on to become RuneScape 3, this very similar to World of Warcraft type combat style and graphics and upgraded visuals. And stuff. Yeah. Looks great. Looks, no one plays it. Yeah, no one plays it.
1: <laughs> it looks great, presumably.
0: Also, microtransactions, <laughs> like, like no one's business. Like, it's insane. And that was a big thing mm. that like the community hated. But then in 2013, they found a snapshot of the RuneScape server from 2007 and made a poll where they were like, hey, we found this um, would anybody be interested in like an old school version of the game? Cause a lot of people were like, bring back the, make runescape great again. You know, that type of shit. Yeah. And, yeah. um, <laughs> would,
1: you, would you be interested in playing the thing you liked?
0: Yeah. Remember when it, when you liked it and you didn't hate it, could we just go back to the good old days? <laughs> I promise I can change. Uh, take yeah. me back, take me back users. The poll got like 500,000 signatures. So they, or the petition poll thing. Anyway, it was like people were Damn. voting on it and then, uh, old school runescape was birthed and now, Fast forward seven years, it is more popular than it was in its heyday, more popular than RuneScape 3, and has a thriving content creator community that I oh, personally, yeah. I personally love. Dude, like I am saying- That's in- what got
2: me back into the game is because I would start watching YouTube videos. Um, there's the guy who does the more uh, more oh, uh, Iron Man.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, Settled, it's uh yeah, All his videos athletics. are
2: such a treat, yeah. yeah. That- Stuff like
0: that. Exactly. He so I'm glad that you set up earlier that RuneScape is this game where you just like click things over and over in a lot of in a lot of context because masochism is an interesting word, but I would say that like <laughs> I can't I can't you I can't not use that word to describe someone who has restricted themselves to a specific area of the game where it's very difficult to do everything that you would normally want to do in the game and mm. has relegated themselves to say, okay, well. I want to train my agility skill and the only place in Mauritania, this area that I can train it is by going across this bridge that was never meant to be a training like spot and yeah. uh, I get two XP per try. So it's going to take me, I don't know, a thousand hours, <laughs> you know, so exactly, yeah. like to get the level that I need. And You watch because watching RuneScape content when it comes to the specifics of like grinding and and things like that, especially these restricted accounts becomes this like treatise on the human condition where you're like watching (laughs) the like... Like I just watched his most recent video where he's like trying to complete a clue scroll in Mauritania and like due to the constraints he has to like stay awake for 17 hours at a time or he has to like be online yeah, for like right. 17 hours at a time or something and he's just like going insane slowly and it's just like wow. Well, that's what's
2: great about his videos too is because he has this extremely popular series that he could milk but the episodes only come out every couple of weeks yeah. which means it's hundreds of hours in but you know of content that is mind-numbingly dull to, you know, do whatever it is he's doing, but to yeah. condense it down and tell it in this interesting way. His videos are very well edited. Yeah. Uh, it gives you all the dopamine of following along this, yeah. this journey without having to do the tedium of it. That's is, what also yeah. got
0: me back into the game. So shout out to Settled. He's also like 19 or 20 years old. It's like insane, this dude. He's like very, yeah. very cool guy. There's a lot of great Content creators uh, for Runescape. There's like a guy who's doing every quest in order of release, uh, with the restrictions of time. Jimmy, he's uh, another great content creator. There's so much like creativity happening, like like Runescape like machinima sketches are 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 like a a new popular like form of a thing, and it just makes me so nostalgic. And I feel this way with the Smash community as well. Whenever there's a small like relatively small community of people who care a lot and there's not a lot of money in the esport element of it there's not a lot of money in it it's just a labor of love i feel like that's when you get the most like most cool Mm. shit. smash especially
1: i mean that's more my comfort zone than runescape because there's like there's so much literacy in the smash community because in order to be involved in it and be as excited as your contemporaries you have to just get versed as hell plus there's the doc you know there's like what like the six hour documentary available if you want to catch up on everything up till about 2014 2015 that like that culture is so obsessive while not gatekeepery which is very rare right because they don't have the uh melee does not have the resources to be gatekeepery It, it needs allies as much as possible and there's a quiet admiration for the people that really know their shit and the Especially when it comes to speedrunners or non-traditional players or combo contest players, oh, speedruns where speedruns are another great yeah. example of this. Smash Sixty Four, which is not a game I have ever played or had an interest in, there's such a active and tiny combo competition culture at like Super the Smash CCC. Con,
0: where it's like the combo contest where
1: yeah, everybody's the combo like contest with like two Japanese players who come in and do things you didn't know were physically capable in the realm of men, and you just have to like take a. Seat it's like a core like, it's like you're watching a, this
0: it's like you're watching a choreography of like a dance or something where everybody's just going yeah oh 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 and it's like this build and build and then when somebody fails to like do whatever they're trying to do everybody's like oh and then they get yeah. it and then it's everybody's like saying, an
1: improv game though right because yeah! everybody's like you fail and they're like it's okay you go ca- yay success <laughs> failure and success <laughs> and then somebody wins and everybody just like Inebriates yeah. in the rush. It's They're like a, streaming, um, and their dragon. family
2: comes into the room, and it's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: it's the. Their it father is a, returns.
2: <laughs> yeah. uh, you, you finally made me proud enough to come back. <laughs>
1: so. I am gonna go get cigarettes again, though. <laughs> He's
0: got a gallon of milk and cigarettes. <laughs> it's so yeah. old.
1: It's so it's curdled incredibly milk. old milk. Yeah. It's
0: cheese at that point.
1: Um, so <laughs> eat this cheese with me, boy. They, that-
2: they drink it together and all die, <laughs>
0: and instantly die. So- and oh man they went out on a high note though <laughs> so speedrunning is another example of this where i just like i feel like it reminds me because you can watch the most popular things all at all times and be like you're feel like you're a part of the zeitgeist or whatever but there's not the same communal element of like something with a smaller like more intimate nice, community yeah and yeah, and what kills me is literally this dad coming back moment makes me think of um, shout out to summoning salt, which is like one of the yeah, like, he's like an amazing creator that tells the story of a speedrunning community through the mm-hmm. world world record progression of a game. And it's like, I've never been so I feel like every video I watch of his is like watching. A documentary about the moon landing where it's like humanity got together and they like put all their minds yeah. They put all their minds together and they figured out that there was a way to frame skip through the wall at this yeah. point And then like
2: yeah, I love videos like that They show the context of like before yeah. this is all that was possible and then someone discovered this and now there it unlocks all these new Possibilities to this so meaningless goal exactly yeah. so many
1: incredible layers like uh yeah. wow there's the idea that you could take like 2012 speedrun and then show them a 2016 speedrun. it's not just an impressive leap it is like uh horse-drawn carriage versus f1 yeah it's just like inconceivable my to
0: asmr these days is watching because i like don't I can't watch some like corners of YouTube when I'm relaxing because it makes me think about work. I'm like, oh, no, don't tell me what like Mm. Jake Paul is up to or whatever. Or even if it's like
1: (laughs) I'm so inspired by him and his work,
0: (laughs) even if it's like somebody being funny. I'm kind of like I truly want nothing more than to listen to. There's this guy who does Pokemon like Pokemon Red and Blue playthroughs with one Pokemon and just describes the process of playing through the game where it's like, can you beat Pokemon with just an electabuzz? And I'm like, I, I don't know. Like, let's find out 45 minutes. I'm game. You know what I mean? It's like, I'll listen to that, like going to bed because it's just like, there's something about the little, like the small details. And I love trivia and it kind of hits all my, Uh, Hits all the things. But what I was going to say before the shout out to summoning salt was that I was watching one of those videos and he's like really building up to this climax of this guy, like breaking a years old speedrunning record and he breaks the record and he's like, I did it. And then his dad is like, Hey, could you keep it down (laughs) or whatever? He's like alone in his room. Yeah. And it's just like that oh my is God. that is it like he's freaking out. People on the internet on Twitch are freaking out. People in a small community are like, "You have moved mountains to get to this point." And then his dad is like, "Hey, I'm trying to watch the game. Like, could you please
1: like yeah. cut it out?" Hey, I'm playing melee. Hey. <laughs> Shut up. I'm on net play. I'm trying to wave dash, son. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my sweet boy, come back to me when you can do a clean wave dash.
0: Oh my gosh.
2: Speaking of Smash, I've never, um, I've never been big into it because I never owned a smash game. Uh, enough to like learn how to play it on on my own. The only time I've ever played Smash is with other people who are Mm. way better at it than me. (laughs) And I get frustrated and it makes me not want to play it. But I have a lot of respect for the competitive community, especially it's like what you were saying, how it's such a niche thing, not like a big profitable thing. It's just, they love the GameCube version of Smash. And so they're going to hold on forever.
1: It gets like criticism for just having the gods at the top, which cycle in sometimes. Sometimes there's there's new players, but historically there's like a dozen Mm -hmm. The top four people of these win every tournament and the top dozen are the only people that are ever in the bracket I personally kind of love that. I find that like there's it's nice and condensed So I never feel like I need too much work to follow the narrative and it's like oh HBox won a tournament I haven't even checked on Melee news for two months, but I understand what that means more or less There's a dude with
0: and I and Drew I I want you to finish your point too but I was gonna say there's a guy who has a a Channel with like 5,000 subscribers and all he does is before a tournament he goes through all the storylines of like uh, oh this tournament is about to happen and like we think this person's going to do well and uh this person is coming off of a hot win over here and he's got a history with this guy he's never beaten this character blah blah, blah. we might be able to see an upset like that type of stuff like yeah. then i'll watch the tournament i'm so bad at smash but like I will watch the tournament on Twitch and I'll just be eating popcorn, like watching the storylines, like rooting for like, oh my God, not only did he win, but he's like the first person from his country to place outside of this, you know, like that type. It's like sports, it's sports.
2: Exactly, well, I was gonna say, that's why, that's something that's always drawn me to sports. Like when I explain to people who don't like sports, why I like sports, I explain that it's so much more than just what they're doing that every individual person involved has their own story has their own redemption arc or it's like well this guy played for that team for a while and now he's going against that team and he wants to beat that team or that coach used to be here like there's all these individual human stories or this guy's daughter has is going I I don't know it's like all these little things and it's all very human Yeah. yeah and it adds to it that's part of why i get involved it's not just like i get that surface level football is very stupid yeah it's just big guys hitting each other give giving themselves brain damage yeah, yeah. uh and chasing a ball and trying to get it from one end to the other but yeah you know when when you go into these stories and so well, that, that's yeah
0: but the thing to your point like it's stupid, but like, isn't everything when you really yeah. like look at it? Yeah. It's like, I'll a- allow when you condense us... something down into yeah. a
1: single sentence and take away the nuance.
0: Right. Like, uh, yeah, exactly.
1: There's a bunch of frames. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Movies, movies are these like, my, like life-changing things for people. These like big productions, but it's like, oh, you just looked at a screen for yeah. a, an
0: hour.
1: Like, <laughs> with <you didn't>... events.
0: <laughs> I think that's a yeah. common when people are like, oh, I don't like anime. I'm like, but it's like a full like there is that's like saying I don't like <laughs> yeah. movies, cause like we've got, you know, mm-hmm. decades of of art that's like changed media both in inside of the form and outside of the form. So it's like to say that you're just like painting with this broad brush is is reductive and I and un, yeah. and unproductive to to, rhyme to your words. loss
1: like i <laughs> yeah i would yeah. love for somebody who doesn't like anime to find their few animes because they've just robbed themselves of yeah. a unique experience maybe yeah
2: it's a very cynical viewpoint
1: valo evian says what games have you been playing recently on a more serious note how much of video games helps you with stress and anxiety during quarantine i think that's sort of a hybrid question have you had a particular game that helps you through the stress and is it mountain blade uh,
2: it's not uh no. no um for me i mean the past few months and i'm we'll probably end up getting more into just our emotions of this quarantine but for the past oh, few months sure. you know i've had had a lot of ups and downs yeah. um and i think near my lowest point point mentally, which I actually feel like I'm in a pretty good place now awesome, in the dude. scheme of the past few months, which I feel good about because yeah. it got really dark for a little bit. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Um,
2: but when Ghost of uh, Tsushima came out on mm-hmm. PS4, getting having a game, well, that was fun for me because I, I hadn't really heard of it before. I had no expectation. I feel like with every game now, you get there's so much buildup and so much excitement. And there was for that game. I just yeah, wasn't yeah. aware of it. Right. But Eddie Burback told me like a week before, hey, are you going to play this game? And I was like, oh, I don't even know what that is. Yeah, and I yeah. looked it up. And then I watched like one streamer play it for a little bit the day it came out and I was like, well, I need to play that and I bought it and yeah. something, it would just had this very pure feeling that I hadn't really gotten from a game since like Breath of the Wild or even yeah, that, like yeah. Skyrim where just the discovery of it and just the, uh, I got so sucked into the it escapism. without it feeling. Yeah, and that yeah. was really important for me during that couple weeks when I got really into it.
1: It has that soft Skinnerbox Box effect in the vein of Far Cry 3 and then every single subsequent Ubisoft game, yeah. right? That, at least that was the taste I got from it. Where, yeah, I'm being sucked into slightly repetitive play, but mm-hmm. there's never a moment I dislike, and it doesn't feel disingenuous yeah. in the well, way that I, like an Assassin's Creed game does.
2: Right. That's what I mentioned. I think I mentioned that in uh the PS Now video I made recently, which is like the, I was talking about a game, and like all of open, all of the open world games are repetitive when you want to break it down to it. But it's like if you enjoy the thing you're doing over and over again, why does it matter if it's repetitive? It's like yeah. And you slow—it's the progression of it too. It's like, oh, I learned this new move. You're yeah. slowly getting stronger, and yeah, that was really fun. And just the aesthetic of it was really yeah.
1: captivating. Yeah. How, did you, never really how did you? How did you feel like about that. the story? I felt completely disengaged until it like got past a portion of exposition.
2: Mm, I. Yeah, I couldn't even really tell you what the story was. Because I, I it's, with a lot of games, I, I feel like I am trying to pay attention, but I often don't. And the only part of the story I really pay attention to is like how it affects the gameplay or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think that was one where it's like, it didn't really matter what the story was. It's like, okay, I'm I'm a samurai and I get to kill people and I'm fine. It's by, a good framing device. device. Yeah.
1: But have yeah. you ever played a game that was more uncle focused? <laughs> <laughs>
2: There's a no. lot of uncle-based
1: work in that game.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, not. But other
0: game developers should take note. Get more uncles. Get in more world, uncles. In. Mm. Yeah. There're
1: almost no uncles in RuneScape.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say r- related to RuneScape. RuneScape is a lot of repetitive action over and over, but there's a catharsis there that like clearly it's like completing this loop of like, Oh, I want to like, I felt addicted to runescape, even though like mm-hmm. the basis of the game, there is a lot to it. It's hard to talk about the game for its merits because the holistic experience of it has value. That's hard to describe. Like when I'm in yeah. in the game and I'm like, for example, like uh, I kind of burned myself out. Cause I was, um I was trying to catch up to my good friend Russell and he's, he's kind of casually played for the past couple of years. So his account's like very far along. And I was trying to, was trying to catch up and then i started doing all this in-game content and i started like befriending runescape streamers and it was like i had a call with one and he was like helping me through like the in-game raids uh uh, i don't know how familiar you are drew with like Um, Chambers of Xeric or whatever
2: well I I like watching other people do that but I've never gotten it takes well that's the thing there's so much with RuneScape so much content with RuneScape that is literally behind a wall of thousands of hours you can't skip to that you You have to to grind forever and my original RuneScape account got moved over to RuneScape 3 that one is super high level but it's like So I tried getting into RuneScape 3 like a couple years ago. couldn't. So I had to make a new one. And by the time I got anywhere close, I'd sort of burnt myself out. But continue what you're saying. Sorry.
0: No, 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 no. But that's like, that was my experience too. Like, I think there's this, uh, people have said like, you never quit RuneScape. And I think that that's like a thing where it's like, you play it for these like bouts and you're really into it. And then you like burn out and then you... Come back, but and then and then you're like, oh, I have all these nice stats. Who did this? Who who was the time traveler who <laughs> yeah. like went ahead and leveled me up? Like the game has a lot of depth, but like you said, Drew, it's behind a lot of walls of grinds. And mm-hmm. the nice thing about my job now is I do sit in front of a computer a lot. So if I'm editing a video and I have like yeah. RuneLite, the RuneScape client, having a thing where it like wakes me up when the game is like idle, then I can just like do the, do the AFK thing in RuneScape, go back to doing whatever I was doing. Then the game is like, Hey, you need to pay attention to me. And I'm like, okay, well let me click on the tree or whatever. And like, let me go. Back yeah, to what I was Yeah,
2: exactly. Doing. Let and, me click on the different fishing spot. Yeah, this, yeah, yeah. Move. this one like,
0: moved. Yeah. God damn it. Um, and yeah. then starting over from scratch was the reason that I didn't start old school initially, but then same. And then I started, I made a pure account cause back in the day, so, uh, I think both of us have this in common, that in 2006 we posted RuneScape videos on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, and so like my my RuneScape <laughs> channel today is, act- or my RuneScape channel, my YouTube channel today is, uh, I was just talking to- she's
1: a conduit to one day being a YouTube channel. <laughs> so uh, I was uh, talking real, to- Real channel. I was
0: talking to yeah. Sabrina, friend of the show, Abelina Sabrina about this, where she's doing a thing talking to people about their, where their YouTube usernames and handles come from. And mm. my, my old YouTube user, like you can get to my account like YouTube.com/slash Jarvis now, but you can also get to my account by YouTube.com/slash user/slash VsympathyV, and VsympathyV is my pure uh, PKing account because I used to post PK videos. Yeah, I initially like made a pure in old school. And I was like, oh, this is fun. But then I started to feel restricted in the content that I could do because when you have an account that's restricted. And I was like, oh, I actually want to play the full content. And then doing the early game to mid game grind was so fulfilling to me. And I was just like, I've played all these quests before. I've like done all this stuff, but like there's something about it that just feels good. And then it makes sense why there are some content creators who are constantly making new accounts and doing the same actions over and over. Mm-hmm. but it's but it's still fulfilling and then on top of that there's leagues and we will stop the runescape talk but i have to mention that uh deadman mode and leagues are super fucking cool and, yeah, uh, it's really
2: cool the way they have yeah. kept incentivizing uh, really high knowledge players to come back and have new challenges or whatever. Because now
0: they have like little seasonals where it's like, oh, you've got to start an account from scratch, but like XP is 10X and like you have infinite run yeah. energy and whatever. So it's like all of the grind is mitigated and then you can just play yeah. an interesting version of the game. So that'll probably be when I pick back up because there's a new league starting. And the last dead man mode, uh, shout out to Zoo, the YouTube channel. Um, <laughs> because- no, yeah.
1: The only real YouTube channel.
0: He messaged me and was like, uh, dude, you should play Deadman mode. And I was like, I'll see about that. And then I played it for like 10 minutes. And then I was literally at the end of Deadman mode, I was uh, rank like 100 uh in in all of all of Rivers because I was shit. playing it so fucking much. Oh my god. Uh, he would log yeah. in he's he stopped playing and then he would log in and he'd be like what you're still playing this and I'm like yeah man. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, to your point about the game having like you thinking like oh I already did all this I don't want to do it again. But the the most satisfying part of the game is that early to mid-leveling because yeah. you can do things so fast, especially yeah, yeah, if you yeah, know yeah. the best way to do it. Yeah. Where after a while, it's it's like, I'd say t- go from one level, it's going to take me four days so, of yeah. like six hours and it's not fun anymore.
1: But, but. it's also taking you to the point where you're the most addicted to that particular loop and the yeah. the dopamine yeah. release of hearing the audio. I mean, I'm playing more from, it's been LinkedIn, so I played RuneScape, but I'm recently... I mean you're never not an addict you're a sober addict so i'm i'm yeah. getting over my addiction to destiny which will never fully be gone but it's mm-hmm. destiny became an actively antagonistic experience <laughs> i genuinely did not like playing it because as far as efficiency goes it has these caps on how efficient you can be and that just made me oh, yeah. very angry oh, that's R- RuneScape too. telling you that that's the game but then handicapping your ability to do it was just very frustrating but there is now i think i was able to quit because it plateaued into a place where there's no traditional leveling in this modern version of of destiny so instead, it's getting new loot and using that loot. All loot technically just has a non-specified amount of defense boost to different stats. It's just a visual bar that you kind of have to intuit the numbers for. But the number associated with it is just a power level. So if you have three-year-old piece of loot with an old power level and then you level it up to a mm. new power level, it's just as good as anything else. The, the age doesn't really affect it. Yeah. So a lot of people just keep leveling up the things that they have. Mm. And I plateaued at a point where I was never being able to level up any further and at that point, I was like, well, if you're going to make the process a bit obtuse and kind of exhausting, give me that rush. Give me the consistent 0.5 yeah. higher number over and over again. Cause I'll stay baby. I'm not going, yeah. I love you despite your faults. Yeah. But then, and then it started cheating on me pretty consistently. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The worst part about runescape is that the level scale exponentially. So the skills are one to 99. So if you're level 92 at a skill, that's halfway to 99, which is, yeah. that should in give you a sense experience. of like, in terms of experience, which is like should give you an idea and then experience caps out usually before that point. So you're essentially doing the same thing for, mm-hmm. for the entire time leading up to that point, you can only have the option right. of doing like a repetitive thing.
2: Yeah. So, so I, I found the most fun part of making my new account when I, I switched to old school was just getting all of my stats up to a certain level, like base 40 or base yeah, 50, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, because, because you spend this time doing whatever but then to get something yeah. from 1 to 40 seems like a lot but it, you can yeah. do it in a few hours if you do it right and just yeah. that constant like the little fireworks over and over again oh my god so fucking okay and thing. the last so thing I
0: will say is that yeah I got into efficiency scape a little bit but not efficiency scape in terms of maximum f- efficiency but like what works for me scape like yeah yeah exactly I, It's like I got my magic and mm-hmm. uh, range to 99 very quickly because there's a very expensive way to do it and, and so I like did that uh, yeah. Um, but yeah uh, and then also I watched a seven, seven hour video one day, like while I was like kind of depressed, like on the couch, watched a seven hour video of someone maxing an account. And it was like a 7,000 hour journey and it was voiced yeah. over and I watching that. I was like okay now I kind of want to seeing this for whatever reason made me want to play like a main and like actually like go after that stuff okay mm. uh, end okay. of, end, we, end keep, of RuneScape we keep podcast. saying it's for real the last
2: thing we're gonna say about runescape uh, <laughs>
0: I think it's like I'm already thinking there's gonna be a YouTube highlight of this that's Jarvis and Drew talk about runescape for 30 minutes but yeah. <laughs> I wanted to go back to sports because you you had mentioned it but I wanted to ask what like sports you're into like is it just mm-hmm. football or and like what are your teams uh,
2: so I've been a Miami Dolphins fan my whole life. Uh, I've always been into football pretty much since I was like five or six. Um, and then as I got older, then I would watch every game and I would pay attention and I would yeah. pay attention in the offseason. I would follow all the transactions and everything. Yeah. Um, so I've always been a diehard Dolphins fan and they have rewarded me uh, <laughs> by doing nothing. Yeah. Uh, ever, Never winning anything and just being terrible uh, in perpetuity. Yeah. And then in the past few years I've gotten really into basketball. Well, I've yeah. always been into basketball, but I would really just watch like the playoffs and the finals and then then I started watching more of the season and then I was like, and then once the Orlando Magic started being a competent team because they were terrible for a very long time, right. then I got really into it. I started going to the games because it's like with so many games in a season, they're, they're pretty cheap to go to. Yeah, I even yeah. in January before everything went to shit, I was like me and Amanda went and we paid too much, not too much money, but like uh, we paid for the the uh, courtside seats because I've always oh, wanted amazing. to do that. Yeah. So we just found like the cheapest game out of all of them because it depends depends on who the away team is. It was the right. Wizards, so they're not a huge not a huge market team. It was maybe less. It was like five or six hundred bucks for both of us to go and sit yeah. courtside and have this amazing experience. Which now looking back, I didn't even know what was happening in the future. So it's yeah, like yeah. I treasure that experience even more. Right. That right. was well worth five hundred yeah, dollars. Yeah. Yeah. And so you get the seats, um, and you get to sit. We sat right behind the away team literally that the seat in front of us was the other players and coaches um but then you also just get free drinks and free food and so that was cool but yeah i got really into the magic uh recently and they just got eliminated from the playoffs yesterday
0: so Mm. thank you for bringing that up sorry for your loss that's the, that's that's the time to invest did you grow up in orlando like, have you been there for most of your life, or?
2: Yeah, yeah, I was born in North Carolina, but okay. we moved here when I was like two. So oh. I, I lived in the same house for about 22 years. Super, super cool. Or 20 you, years.
0: The reason I ask is because growing up in Gainesville, Florida, uh, I didn't have any pro teams that I would pay attention to because I lived in Gatorland because like the yeah. Florida Gators were amazing at every sport, baseball, basketball, football. When I was in high school, they were uh, national champion champions in basketball and football simultaneously and it was just was like that the tim tebow years that was the tim tebow years or it was like the overlap of like joe kim noah uh uh like the, oh, uh, on the yeah. basketball team the billy donovan years with like the urban meyer years of uh of the gators and that was just like the entire town is like Super oriented around the University of Florida. Everything, every Hmm. small business is like Gatorland Toyota or like Gators Dockside. Gator, it's the Gator Burger Place. It's the Gator Chicken Place. You know what I mean? Like,
1: yeah.
0: And uh, that was the culture that I was really steeped in. And I never kind of got a pro, I never became a fan of a pro team. And when I went to college, uh, Georgia Tech also had D1 basketball and football. So I would follow that and I would go to all the games. I would go to every football game. And so I loved. I love basketball and football, but now I'm in the space where I don't have any like association really to, or I don't have any incentive to follow the college sports as much anymore because I'm not in the thick Mm -hmm. of it. And then I don't have a pro team. So then I moved to San Francisco after college, and the Golden State, I got to watch the Golden State Warriors be the best team in basketball <laughs> yeah. for the five years that I was there. And then I bounced to LA. And so now I'm watching the Lakers like me. Like, oh uh, my
2: God. I know. Wow. You've had the opposite uh, fandom experience. I know. I have never
0: <laughs> gotten to watch a successful team. And I, you've watched the most successful teams at every level I, <laughs> geographically. Yeah. I just kept, I don't know. Like, my life just led me in, in that. It gave me a very unrealistic Expectation of how most things will go in life. To be honest,
1: yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I wanted this to be good, and it was. <laughs>
0: cool. I guess that's how
2: everything will be from now on. Yeah, yeah there no will be no. Charge. I will face no resistance. Um, <laughs>
1: no need to make sure that that happens with agency. And even
0: like, even like, well, I was just gonna say that like Cam Newton was briefly at the University of Florida, and he stole a laptop and got kicked out. And then he went to, like, junior college and destroyed all of everyone uh, because he was Cam Newton. And then he, yeah. you know, went on to, like, what was it? I can't remember. Auburn. What, Auburn, yeah. And then he right. and then won he won directed. a championship. Yeah, sports are fun. I It's all, like, storylines and in the human the human element of it. And uh, I think that there's really good docs and stuff, like, all the 30 for 30 documentaries. I love sports
2: documentaries. Yeah. And then,
0: obviously, The Last Dance is, like, amazing. Um mm-hmm. I feel like even if you're un- not into like,
2: sports you can watch a, doc- a sport a good well-made sports documentary and get invested even if you don't absolutely. give a shit. Yeah. Cuz that's, that's what it, they frame on. all the best points the storylines the that's why the last dance d- dance was so interesting too yeah. because it's these things we didn't know that right. we thought we knew yeah. from the people who were there. Yeah.
1: Um, it's just like the idea of the speed run videos. I was just going to uh, say <laughs> yeah to go back to a dorky element that I can at least relate to where I watch yeah. those and I'm totally enthralled because it's a shortcut to literacy that I don't have. I don't, I never grew up with the vocabulary of that. Mm -hmm. I'm sure some people are like, what, but what about cricket? No, none, I I grew up in a sportless house and amongst a sportless community. I just couldn't, despite the fact that I really wanted to, especially when I was uh, in LA, like Mm -mm. the nuances to it are fascinating. And that's often the sell for professional wrestling as well, independent of quote, realism. It's the, it's theater, right? And the idea that you would yeah. build out a super comprehensive law and background and history that only the most dedicated people would know, and then they get the payoff from that, like Dude. comics. That's great, exactly. and that's fascinating. The fact. And yeah. watching a sports documentary gives you even just like a just like a little bit of just a flavor of it.
0: They're all so good, and it like I feel like if you're not a fan of sports, or if you're one of those like <laughs> sport ball, I don't know nothing about that, like people, then you watch a sports documentary and you realize like, we are all the same. We are just telling the human story of trial mm. and tribulation
1: and that's possible shit infuriates me uh, yeah. as somebody that is not actively in, I will not even say interested, actively involved in the fandom of any sport yeah. right now. It's just, it's gatekeeping based on the vocal minority. Like, yeah. Oh, all the jocks that I used to, used to be really into sports. And it's like, yeah, but they're like maybe 2% yeah. of the entire yeah. sport watching audience. And you just happen to like, you could very reasonably say that the gaming demographic is all terrible people because the majority of the vocal ones are terrible people. Right. But I'm well, more also, committed to the gaming community than anything else in my life.
2: What all is also great about sports is, it, like you said, theater. It's the live theater aspect yeah. of it where you don't know what's going to happen. There's yeah. so much, so, many stake, so much stake in it or whatever. And I don't know, that's what it's like. I mean, so you so you think sports are stupid, but you like movies, right? You like yeah. or uh, one thing that kind of bridged the gap between me and my wife, Amanda, is she really likes the show Big Brother. We watched that oh. together. And mm. there's it's just it's a reality show of people living in a house and they, you know, right. they get power one week and vote someone off and all in, that. And in Big Brother, and they're,
0: they're like not all, allowed to like it's like very much like a, it's completely contained, completely yeah. contained. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But you, what's fun yeah, about you can see every single room. Yeah, and what's fun about resources. Big
2: Brother compared to, like, Survivor, which I used to watch but have not really gotten into, um, is Survivor's all, like, pre-recorded and then edited, and then they do the live finale. But Big Brother is going on as, uh, mm. as it's happening. So every Wednesday there's the live eviction show, and you get to see these, like, live reactions. And she gets really into those, and it's like, okay, I think I see why you like sports now. It's like, yeah. you get
1: excited. Does the U.S. version have the actual ongoing live stream like the U.K. Yes. version does? Yeah. Yes. You can yeah, straight so- up consume every single minute of it if you pretty like much to.
2: yeah they only cut away yeah. during like the competitions because they don't want to spoil it for, for the show but pretty much you can watch whenever um and we have done that before and i don't want to talk about it but yeah no, we get <laughs> to it. but that was sort of the bridge it's like so yeah you understand why why people would like sports if because you get there's a you have a player in the house that you like the most you're invested yeah. you want to see them win you don't want to see them go home and that emotion of it being emotionally invested in something you oh can all over is something we've talked about a lot about lately. It's like, it's I, heartbreaking, but so rewarding when things go well.
1: Yeah. And so much of, I mean, all of our lives, especially you two, so much of your time is spent curating something that's very, very consciously made. Mm-hmm. Like here is something that from front to back, I was creatively, intellectually responsible for. Yeah. I just raised this video baby and here I'm now setting it off to school. Yeah. Whereas this is I mean, not unlike, to be honest, Sad Boys is like a nice reprieve from the other stuff we work on because it's done instantly.
0: It's like I used to do improv uh, in San Francisco, and that was like a big outlet for me because it was like you do it you do it and then it's done and it existed and it was interesting for the audience that was there but if you look at a videotape of it mm-mm, don't do that it's it's pretty strange you know what I mean like it's like yeah. you're describing a dream to someone.
1: True. have you right? dabbled in improv? Uh, yeah
2: that was that what I was gonna say that was both the thing that drew me to improv for several years but also what I think ultimately makes people frustrated who do improv for a long time is the, mm. the uh, lack of permanence where it's like we had this amazing show this big shared experience the audience was into it we all had this great show and then it's just gone forever. I mean, you yeah. can record it, but it's not gonna have the same, you know, impact if someone watches it later on. But no. but yeah, but also does. the having the creative um outlet that you don't have to prepare a lot for you just go and you create these things in the moment. It's so fulfilling to yeah. like the highs I got from improv were, were better than, you know, some of the other highs I've gotten in my life creatively just that yeah. coming up with the perfect line on the spot or creating oh this God. moment and living in the scene when with like, when you, there's that, like, you know, you start a scene, you don't really know what's going to happen, but you just sort of have that mental connection where you yes. realize what the joke of the scene is. Yeah. And, and then you see someone come in cause they know exactly they what know, the yeah. next step would be. And it's like, it's, it's a, the, one of the most beautiful forms of art. It's,
0: it's like kinetic. It's like, it is, like, yeah. It's like a uh, shout out to the movie Don't Think Twice uh, because I oh, think yeah. it's got a really great depiction of improv like this dance like it's like shot all the improv scenes are like shot like a dance from where you're within it and mm-hmm. it gives it this life that like typically like if you had a, a still shot of, of improv it just doesn't give it the dynamism that like really exists in the moment and mm-hmm. also shout out to middle dish and schwartz yeah. because first of all Thomas, living improvisers. they're they're incredible uh, i've seen i've seen them live a couple times and they're Netflix show is fantastic. Like their their Netflix, Mm -hmm. like I have never seen improv captured on, like real improv captured on film as as well as it is for that show.
2: Yeah, I was really like, I love those guys to death and I was still worried going into like, oh, it's going to be weird, but it's like, I don't know if it was the way they filmed it or I guess it's just because it's, I don't know. It also came out at a good time where it was at the beginning of the pandemic and yeah. we were dying for that, that human connection, that yeah. shared human experience that you get in a live show. It just, it felt like you were there.
1: There's a very healthy amount of, of um, kayfabe. You know that term? Mm-mm. In the wrestling no. community, kayfabe is... The persona that you maintain, independent of the actual stream, the stream show, mm. you maintain. Hulk Hogan goes out and about, and when he he goes to the mall, and somebody's like, "Do you want fries with that?" And he goes, "Yeah, brother." You know, like that's that's maintaining kayfabe. And I think the healthy distance they have in the scene, which is something that like um, like Lorne hates, right, on SNL, where you ever oh, break yeah. or show a part of yourself yeah. that is independent from the from the show. Yeah. I think Middle Edition Schwar- Schwartz, because they know each other so well, and the show is so small scale, are able to. Dabble ever so lightly in the isn't this silly that we're doing oh, this. Oh man, yeah. it's along the fucking best. You're, yeah, yeah. You're in it like with killing the scene. Like they yeah. do,
0: like I've seen Thomas Middleditch and Ben Schwartz do this. Like Middleditch, uh, one of my favorite shows that he does is Improvise Shakespeare. Like in Chicago, it's like Improvise Shakespeare Company. It's like one of the best live shows I've ever seen. Everything is in like rhymed couplets and like Shakespearean length like, dialogue, and they improvise an entire, yeah, uh three-act Shakespearean play. It's awesome. Yeah, insane. But like I've seen it in that and I've seen it in Middle Edition shorts where they have this power to like comment on the thing as it's happening while still be without losing the thread of what's happening in the moment, which is. Mm -hmm. very difficult to do because and it's something you're
2: told by an improv teacher not to do. do. You're told to commit a thousand percent every time and if you're doing it wrong it comes off as hammy or or self-destructive like you're shitting on what's happening and then you're but but if you do it well like they do then yeah you feel like
0: you're brought into the fun with them because it's like wait Mm. am I wait who was I again but I thought I'm over here and then you see like them building the stage picture because they're playing like several characters at once and it's like oh yeah you know it is a lot that you have to keep in mind They're teaching, they're showing you a little bit, a peek behind the scenes of like, you know, where we last left our heroes. Like, I was standing over here. There's a guy who's dead on the floor right here. And like, they have some sort of relationship, and I'm starting to lose it. And then we together come up with like the resolution to that because everyone wants to see them land the plane you know and so mm. it, it there's like a group catharsis element to it i don't know it's just such a absolutely impressive thing. yeah yeah bo yeah.
1: burnham d- d- i think dabbles in the same aesthetic to a degree not just quite literally in that it's a somewhat similar sense of humor but his shows have become so metatextual at this point where the joke is can't, are you just as shocked that this is working out as I am? Yeah. Let's all indulge in how strange that is, while also not compromising on how funny the actual scripted jokes are. Right. In the same vein as Lonely Island. Like, those are, I think we always talk about Burnham <laughs> and Lonely Island, uh, because it's they're so influential on, I would assume, all three of us. Mm-hmm. Is that accurate, Drew? Both yeah, of those? definitely. Yeah. Whereas those shows never compromise the actual, or rather those tracks never compromise the actual quality of the tracks. You could listen to them independently. They're always actually funny. They're always well-produced but also you could very easily indulge in the comedy of wow they put this much work into a dumb pop song about uh uh, having an orgasm in a grocery store like that's that's like it's kind of wacky why i don't
0: understand like it's like this line between committing and not committing because going back to the thing we were saying about improv the reason that improv teachers tell you not to break or or, or, or anything like that is because you aren't committing to the moment, you're not being in the moment, you're thinking, mm-hmm. you're you're not supposed to write in, in improv, you're not supposed to be writing in your head. Well, yeah, like,
2: it's like it's like you're all inflating this balloon together and you just yeah. come in and pop it and then exactly, it's like, yeah.
0: okay, you, sh- you destroyed the whole thing mm.
2: to make right. one bad joke or whatever.
0: Exactly, like. but somehow I think that like Bo toes that line of like, I his songs feel earnest And like, but he's also got the wink and a nod to every, Mm -hmm. like everything that he's doing. And it allows him flexibility with the types of topics that he covers or the jokes that he makes that would not be afforded to, you know, uh, a less self-aware comedian, I guess, or someone who takes themselves too seriously. Like, I think that there's like this great, Mm -hmm. like, like line with Bo. I
2: do wonder if, like we were saying, where improv just so rarely translates to a recorded format, if they're tongue-in-cheekness throughout it, that sort of like winking to the audience yeah. helped bring viewers in. If, yeah. if they were too committed, like maybe it would have been like, as an audience watching from home, it's like, I'd actually, this is weird, but for them to sort of be like, yeah, this is silly, right? Because it is, it's so I agree. What they're trying to do. Yeah. So to acknowledge that is 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 common ground between you and the audience. And they do it in a funny way without shitting on it, you know, what's have happening. Have either of sure. you watched
1: uh- is it, what's the name of Benchwatch's like short form project where he was doing? Ah, it's, it's set as a morning talk show with him, oh, Lauren Lapkus, Lauren and Lapkus, a couple of yeah. other performers. That's like
2: a Funnier and, Die thing, I think. Yeah, I, it's, it's a Funnier Die production
1: from like yeah. three years ago. So and the whole conceit is that they, each episode is based on a stage of grief because mm. he gets, his him and his wife break up, and then it's just a series of yeah <laughs> painful steps right afterwards. And the genius of it is that it's, The breaking is so rare. It's a little like the the Californian sketch to a degree where the break is so real and so transparent Like they start using real names for five seconds after it happens and they hard cut back to the scene. The the push back and forth contrast is always like a horror movie. Like you're hitting that like, oh my God, wow. They really just broke that scene so aggressively, but not for too long and not so sincerely that you're like, okay, well now now we're just watching a bad play.
0: So Drew, I think you make a really good point. I'm thinking about what you just said about the, like the wink and the nod or like the acknowledgement of the audience makes it so that it does work. I think that there's something that's like very similar to how YouTube is, right? Like it's like the parasocial mm. relationship. Like if you go to improv, they're talking to the audience. They're like hey, what's up? We're Middle Ditch and Schwartz. Like we're going to do some live improvised comedy. It's never happened before. Like someone's going to give us a word. That like links the audience to the stage a little bit and links the, makes the audience feel like a part of the show. And I think yeah. that the way that like they are connecting to the, aud- the viewers at home is very similar to like a YouTuber connecting to the viewers at home by like looking into the camera and speaking to someone so it's mm-hmm. like i feel like they're they're managing to do both and i think that both yeah. does that d- does that as well
2: it's also sort of that uh that self awareness or or self uh, what's it called when you like make uh, self deprecating that's deprecating. what it is that's it yeah, a, yeah. Mm-hmm. uh it's it's similar in that way which is a big thing on youtube where it's like i think people tend to gravitate towards youtubers a lot of the time it's because they seem like very real people, and it's good to put yourself right. down at times instead of, especially with what we do, where we're talking about other people in a negative way. If we're just like yeah. all cocky about it, it's like, well, okay, this guy's kind of putting me off, but sort of making right. jokes about yourself to bring you know connects you in that way, yeah.
1: You too, especially, I think. Um, and you know, fuck Danny, fuck Curtis, Cody, they're all trash. But You Two in but particular, I've uh, <laughs>
2: been holding that in for
1: a long time. <laughs> Finally, get through the whole tour. We found the title of the episode.
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh yeah! Uh, we, <laughs> by the way, we came we came to the tour date in L. A. And that's right it was amazing. Yeah, so j- just wanted to shout out to, to mm. the We Are Two Different People tour. In the
1: case of You Two and and the the rest of the Goats, of course, uh, I think there's a very delicate line to lead between again maintaining that that kayfabe in the scene of this is well-structured, pseudo-scripted where it needs to be. I don't want to lose a narrative. I have a statement to say and information to convey and set up for these jokes. But then not, hi, I'm like a, a fully insincere character and I'm just here for the memes. And who could say, I don't know what, to what degree, an individual video, not just from, from you guys, but anybody sharing the same kind of space. It would be impossible for me to say what was scripted, what was semi-scripted, and then what was complete improv, because mm. it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Because at no point are you claiming that, hey, I'm, this is a fake version of myself with an entirely different name. And if I ever break that illusion, I've failed in yeah. that way. Right. Or this is all improv right off the top. And then I failed in that way. It's just right. hi. I'm Drew, you're familiar maybe with me and my bad content. I'm <laughs> right. here to produce something in the exact way that I do. And you you, you engage with it in whatever way you like. I don't want to prescribe how funny it is to you for the reasons that I'm doing it. My right. humor happens to include self-deprecation. It's not right. there as like a PR Move.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of want to talk broadly about quarantine. So, what if we gave a a rating of quarantine <laughs> as as
1: how it's been for our, our mental <laughs> health? True. What do you think of quarantine? Cool. Yeah, ten out of ten. Uh, I love
2: it. A plus. Yeah, <laughs> it's the fucking best. Can I give it a raise? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, of course. So out of ten, say again. All of, oh, I don't do you know. You guys go first.
0: Oh uh, yeah, J- Jordan. What would you give all of quarantine as a zero to one hundred score?
1: The quality of quarantine or my experience. <laughs> Effectiveness of, of quarantine. <laughs> the, How much uh, is oh, I mean, quarantine? A uh, big 150. Yeah. percent It's crushing it right okay. now. Yeah. Strength to strength. I feel very the, contained. <laughs> the, I'm so quarantined.
0: <laughs> the subtext here is how's, how's everybody coping? <laughs> How, how's everybody doing?
1: Oh, right. Yeah.
2: Like I kind of mentioned earlier, I I yeah. think I think like a lot of people, there's been ups and downs throughout mm-hmm. quarantine. There's times where it's you sort of just accept the w- what's happening, or you just have a good day and it feels like, okay, I can do this. And then you just sort of break down in the middle of that day or another, you know, and then there's the ups and downs. Yeah. Definitely been better recently, but that is after pretty much all of July was like, Mm. I had more panic attacks in July than I think I had in my entire life combined up until Uh. that point. It was really bad. I went to the ER two separate times because I thought I was dying. And you'd think after the first time I wouldn't have to go again, but it was a different kind of panic attack that I'd never experienced before the second time where I thought I had a stroke. Oh Um, my God. It was terrifying. I thought I sort of, I don't even know how to describe it. And what scared me about it too is it came on so suddenly, whereas generally with panic attacks, it's sort of a slow buildup of anxiety and it brims over, whereas that I felt pretty good all day. And then it just sort of hit me really fast and I was like the only logical conclusion here is that something like I broke a blood vessel in my brain or something right and I just right. and I, I was is like there, shaking and it was Are there
1: historically triggers because that sounds like a cumulative effect right like god this month has been so overall That's stressful like that now I just snapped or, whatever, yeah. or is it typically tied to like holy shit what a terrible phone call it's yeah
2: it's well I don't know it's my i i can't even relate the anxiety i've been having this year to the anxiety i've had in the past because mm. It's so specific to what's happening. And a lot of mine has stemmed from anxiety about my health, uh, mm. where I went the past six or seven years, never going to the doctor, never thinking anything would be wrong with me because I'm a healthy young person. And then all of a sudden this year, it's like I'm constantly paying attention to my body in ways I've mm. never had before. I'm like, is my mm. heart beating too fast? Is my heart beating irregularly? My, oh, I God. was convinced myself I had a congestive heart failure. For like a <laughs> month, I, 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 yeah. I don't know how I read, I read something on the internet and that's what triggered my first really bad panic attack. And but I've gotten better is because then I was like, well, I need to go to the doctor and get like tests done. Yeah. Everything's fine, thankfully. But once I once I found out it's like, okay, there's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing going inside of me. Several hundred dollars later, of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, then it's like, okay, now I can just address my anxiety as what it is, as being psychological and not. Yeah. Cause it was hard before to talk myself out of something if I couldn't fully believe that it wasn't real once right. I convinced myself something was going on it's like well I can calm myself down mentally but if my heart is failing then that I need to that's not right. gonna stop happening if I feel better a good or whatever
0: the thing so. about yeah with anxiety too like if you can't anchor yourself in what's true or like a fact that you know about like if you mm-hmm. have a doctor that says we ran the tests and everything's fine, then you can grab onto that like sort of yeah. safety mm-hmm. handle whenever you're like is everything going wrong? It's like no, things did not change on the drop of a dime. The last time I felt like this, I went mm-hmm. through this experience, I can like use that. It's
2: such a cycle too where as soon as you start to have anxiety, you if I'm looking for symptoms of a serious problem, all of them are also symptoms of anxiety. Yeah. So yeah. your heart beating really fast or sweating or feeling dizzy, even all these things, it's all like a panic yeah. attack. A really bad panic attack is very similar to a heart attack. And that's why yeah. people go to the hospital when they're having a really bad panic attack. For because sure. It feels like something physically is happening. Uh,
1: and it is not even internally. I mean, as people, I think we're all fairly self-aware about our mental health and that it's just as valid a concern as anything else Mm -hmm. but that propaganda that it isn't is in there deep it's hard to (laughs) it gets tricky to shift that i would guess in all of our cases you sometimes want to temper it with it's just my brain exactly
2: and then then i go to the er and it's like you there's these doctors who are probably dealing with way more shit than i'm dealing with they're in the middle of a health crisis and i'm like i'm scared like, I, I don't know yeah, yeah, i feel yeah. like an idiot when i'm done it's like yeah. it felt so real to me but then now i feel like i'm wasting your time and but so I mean, then there's sort of yeah. that guilt of it too on top
0: of but good on you for like going to the er and like trusting that because i think it's very easy to hold that in for exactly the same reasons that you you gave which is like i mean you know maybe my problems aren't worth it like i would rather mm-hmm. you you know take that leap and find out nothing is wrong yeah i'm and glad then, i did yeah and the guilt is like a separate i guess a separate issue but it's something that can be worked on ind- independently because like I'm proud of you for going and getting checked out you know like thanks yeah
2: I've ignored a lot of panic attacks in the in the past and they've always you know the things get better obviously um, but I'm glad I went because it was very much it was a, such a specific type of anxiety where I was like if I don't get validation or confirmation from the doctor right. that nothing's wrong with me then I will continue to have this and it's not Gosh. as simple as just like well I should just get prescribed anxiety medicine because even if that happened
0: I would still believe that there was something going on with me right. so I had and, to
2: like go get a yeah. CT scan which is ultimately what i did and that was really weird but
0: it's like a very in like a trapping feeling right like it's like the only way to escape this is with some sort of objective truth about like what i'm obsessing about or, or what mm-hmm. like sort of i can't what is intrusively unavoidable in my brain
1: yeah you're also the worst <laughs> the worst resource for support in that place <laughs> oh that yeah. is like yeah. uh trying to teach yourself to do physio while all of your limbs are broken it's just like yeah I'm oh sure God. I can see the rationale behind the fact that I'm being irrational. Yeah, but-
2: maybe I should ah. consult my brain to see what my brain thinks brain.
1: Oh, you're panicking.
2: <laughs> okay. Yeah. You're not, you're not helping here. <laughs> um,
1: In yeah. that case, I mean, it's my brain. Why would I be wrong? I'm yeah. inside me. Yeah,
0: exactly. I, I have like a, like a low hum of anxiety. It's a lot of like catastrophizing or worrying about the worst case scenario for things. But I think <clears> more <throat> for me, it's like, I have like depressive mood fluctuations could be related to my ADHD or something. I just recently started taking a um, uh, like an SSRI, like Zoloft or whatever. And that's been really helpful for like stabilizing stabilizing my mood. But the narrative in my head during whenever I'm having these like negative cycles of thought is we've described it in the past, like it's propaganda. It's like your brain is like Mm -hmm. going Mm -hmm. like, oh my God, you're bad. Have you seen this poster of uh of you doing a bad thing and it's like but no i i think i'm good yeah. though and it's like mm, i don't know about that i think you might be I bad and you're dying it's
1: prejudice
0: fox <laughs> news just did a report on you yeah exactly <laughs> and it's like and they're pretty reputable and i'm like are they and it's like i don't know i'm your brain yeah, and it's like, they, oh, are. <laughs> <laughs> fuck.
1: they certainly are today
0: yeah. oh god have you ever like done therapy or anything like that like for developing like coping mechanisms for dealing with like panic attacks and stuff
2: no i just i've I've done therapy it's more just like general Mm. uh, Mm. i guess they haven't been very helpful if they're not helping (laughs) in a way but it's just more sort of like talking through Mm -hmm. shit but uh yeah yeah I'm, i'm also lucky that i have uh a wife and and someone to live with because I know for people living alone I can't imagine living I, if I lived by myself and couldn't we couldn't vent to each other it would I would yeah. be fucking miserable I would have been yeah. but in a lot of ways my wife and I are, are each other's therapists which is yeah
0: yeah having an like someone who can <laughs> validate your experience and like that you can vent to and uh, yeah that's like so so important and if you don't have that you know for anybody listening like like don't be afraid to seek help or reach out to friends because it's very easy to think like oh I don't want to put a Someone else, but like mm-hmm. more, like ninety nine point nine percent of the time, if you reach out to someone for for help, they are going to try to help you, and they're going to rather you have reached out than you have just like kept this to yourself and like self destructed, right. you know.
2: And the thing with that too is like it almost doesn't even matter what they say or who you're saying it to. What's important is to vocalize it and to hear it yourself. Because sometimes yeah. that's enough to be like, okay, maybe that is not that that is kind of ridiculous or not that it not to down like in my case it was like I needed to say like I'm dying. I feel like I'm dying. Well I'm not yeah. dying. Like I don't yeah. I don't have some urgent medical thing where I need yeah. to you know, it's so to being able to talk to a lot of it is as simple as just hearing it sometimes. And- yeah,
0: it's so real. Like community is so important. And, you know, we do get a lot of people saying like they don't have like friends that they feel like they can easily access. So we do have a discord um, and it's like exclamation point discord in the chat. If you just want to find some like minded people, or just like have a, a group of people who it's like, OK, we have something in common and they're not going to dismiss your problems if you've yeah. got them you know because we don't always have the answers but at the very least like your friends won't have the answers either but you can get like yeah just that validation it's like goes a long way
2: yeah sometimes even just hearing that other people go through the same thing is all you mm. need to be like oh okay if a lot of people are going through this then I can it validates it
0: exactly like one of the biggest things for me like I remember like I was going through I've told the story on the show a number of times but probably in 2017, I went through this big breakup and I was so affected by it. This is like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe five years ago. I was like, why am I so affected by this? It like feels dumb that I am. But I'm of the two minds where it's like, I hate that I'm affected by this, but I am. And I don't know what to like, how to move past it. And I somehow, some way started, I learned about cognitive behavioral therapy and started reading this book called Feeling Good, The New Mood Therapy by David Burns, MD. It's just like Stanford- psychology professor, dude. And he was kind of one of the first people to popularize cognitive behavioral therapy, which the basis of which is like thoughts influence your mood. And so you can have like negative thought patterns that like lead you to like having a, ne- a negative mood. And if you can identify those thought patterns, then you can kind of mm-hmm. stop those spirals like be- like before they get too deep. In the book, it kind of outlines all these lies that we tell ourselves or this like propaganda or whatever, like the cat- catastrophizing being a big one. And the fact that previous to reading this i felt so alone in my pain where i was like this is so unique to me i'm i'm the one who's like this and this is the narrative through line that's playing through in my brain and no one can convince me otherwise reading a book from the 80s where like an old white dude is like have you ever felt like this turns out everyone has and i'm like what <laughs> like it's like you yeah. you're actually a member of a, a club that is most people <laughs> you know right. like that that almost instantaneously less alien to like this, this experience. And like, oh, other people go through this. I'm not weird. I'm far more normal than I am not normal. You know, all these like kind of lies that I tell myself were sort of balanced with this very, like all this science and and evidence. To the contrary,
1: Drew. Did you ever? Because it seems like you're very comfortable acknowledging that it is a panic attack, and it's not just some sort of ambiguous. Uh, you know, sometimes things happen to me, and I've got sure. Drew disease. Did you have a catalyst moment for being able to use that verbiage, or when did nouns come into it? When did you get comfortable with that awareness?
3: Yeah,
2: I mean, I would say the the ones I've had this year are so clearly panic attacks because of how physical they feel, mm. whereas any sort of overwhelming anxiety feelings I've gotten in the past have not necessarily felt that way. I've had a different type of anxiety experiences in the past and I don't even know what it the name for it would be. I think it's dissociating. I don't know. Mm. Where before the panic attacks is what I would call them, but I I don't even know if that's technically what it is. Although I guess it's up to me to decide what my experience is. (laughs) It's actually up Um, to me, Drew. (laughs) (laughs) But in the past, I think what would happen is sort of like, I would start to, and it's, I don't even know how to describe it, where I would be doing something and I would start to feel like, I would start thinking about like dreams I've had recently And they start to feel more like memories than they are dreams and reality starts to feel more like a dream. And it's like I'm I and I feel like I'm zooming out of my body and it's very scary. And I I it'll last like 30 minutes or whatever, where I start to and I have like no memory during that time. It's very weird. I don't even know what that is. I tried. Googling keywords from what I just described yeah, times, yeah. and there's a million different answers because everybody has their own experiences Yeah, but in the past that's what I would just call a panic attack if I was having one mm-hmm. Even though that's not you new know, straightforward panic attack Which right. for me recently it resembled more of like a heart attack or just sort of this I'm shaking I can't stop shaking. It just mm-hmm. feels like this physical. Yeah
1: well, You mentioned that it doesn't necessarily have that explicit term, but there's so much I don't know internalized oppression around are, am I allowed to identify as the thing that I think right, would help right, me yeah. as an identity? Actually, has anybody ever played Depression Quest? It's a Zoe Quinn game from like, I don't know, uh, half a half dozen years ago. Oh, that sounds awful. No. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I it's, mean, I'm on it's, one it's, right uh, now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a rough Jeez. ride. It's, uh, that's actually all of the quests in RuneScape. Oh, yeah yeah, right. uh, yeah, yeah, Depression Quest.
0: Dragon Slayer 2? Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: it's this amazing game by Zoe Quinn who amongst other things, was one of the key targets of, of Gamergate at a certain period of, of time. and Which of is a thing that we're that all
0: pro. We're, all, we're pro we're gamergate. Obviously, games. yeah. We our... We're
1: certainly not man-children that have been able to develop past it because we're adults and even at the time we thought it was fucking deplorable, grow the hell up, joke is a bad movie. It was a game that is just an incredibly simple kind of mud style text adventure with the occasional image or FMV. And it's maybe an hour long, at most And it's just, the more it goes along, the more it starts to simplify and almost, in a good way, trivialize traits of depression. Take away that sort of, I tried talking about this on my stream the other day, and I can't find the words for it without seeming too, like, aggressive or contentious. But, like, lately, I've been trying to say more, instead of, like, look, you're validated by your own experiences, and, you know, everybody feels bad, and, like, sometimes when you you aren't successful in your career or you aren't successful socially and you need that external validation you know you just got to get off your own back and like every time to rearticulate is like fucking get over yourself man like, <laughs> like yeah it's not stop indulging it's like kind of cathartic to in, indulge oh in my like, god oh, it's my I'm favorite like, thing i'm such a workaholic <laughs> like i'm such a workaholic and I, I i'm so depressed when i'm like not able to in, engage with all of the things i want to all the time and i'm mm-hmm. there's a lot of romanticism around, I don't know, not having a special term and be having a uniqueness or some nuance that other people don't have. And that sensation of like playing Depression Quest, I just, I burst out crying. I played it in like my second year of college where depression was becoming a real thing. That was where my, I think, uh, supposedly bipolar 2 manifest the most in like, now, you your were, late teens, you 20s. were a
0: fan of depression before it was cool. Is that correct?
1: I was huge for it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it right. Oh, oh, you like depression? Name three terrible days. <laughs> <laughs> Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> Happy days. <laughs> yeah. Genuinely encourage people, whether they're like listening or in the chat or in the Discord or whatever, like... Please, 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 if you have the tiniest, tiniest inkling that you might be dabbling in stuff like this, I guarantee you there's a blanket term for you. And I'm not saying that's necessarily always good to trivialize the nuanced thing that you're experiencing, but don't burden yourself with well i've got a problem so unique and specific that there's not even really i don't have the right to call myself depressed because i don't have like the certificate from sad school
0: looking for permission to almost like seek help right like it's like no one's Mm. gonna say no one's gonna put the label on this i may not be graced with the privilege of having someone else put a label on this thing and i'm only hurting myself by not seeking help you know what i mean like or or, trying to hold it into that make it that um the unique element of it i was just going to say sorry the the reason that i started talking though i did start to lose my thread there um thanks adhd i uh was reading like hannah hart's book oh like randomly i don't even know where i got i think mayuko like lent it to me in it she was talking about getting diagnosed with adhd at 25 and like her experience with it and that was like the first time that i had heard someone walk through that process in detail and i felt like that gave me permission to like Seek treatment myself or seek even an evaluation because all it was was just like a hey, maybe my entire life has been this way and perhaps mm. there's a name for this, you know, and right. using that label and owning that label or claiming it or whatever has been so beneficial to me because people see themselves in me sometimes when i when i'll talk about it or i can find resources that that help me and share and and further illuminate parts of my own life experience that i didn't understand like um there's this thing called there's a thing that some people with ADHD have called rejection sensitive dysphoria and it's like a um it's a feeling of intense rejection some people feel physical pain from like being rejected and a rejection can come in so many different, all your brain needs to do is feel like it's a rejection. So the example I've given before is that like one time I was telling Jordan how much caffeine was in like black tea and green tea. And he was like, oh, I don't really care. And that was enough of a rejection. I just like make the most trivial example ever for me, my brain to just like shut down and go mm. like, like fight or flight. Oh no, is my, does my friend hate <laughs> me? Is this like, you know, it's yeah. like none of it makes any sense but it feels so real and it's so like, instantaneous. And um, I had had that experience my entire life. I used to like, when I felt like I was being laughed at or or not included in a group in high school, I would always just like quiet down. I would shut off. I wouldn't talk to anyone else. I would sit in a corner and like mope to myself because it was like that indulgence that you were talking about, Jordan. And then like this year, my psychiatrist was like, hey, I'm going to send you this like white paper. And I just want you to like read it and like see what you think. And it was a description of RSD and about like what this guy has seen in his patients over like 15 years or whatever. And I was like, this is my entire life, bro. Like this is like Mm -hmm. every way that I've interpreted almost like all these different interactions. It was like someone had wrote it about me specifically. That's how like on the money it was. And that was a crazy experience. And it was so empowering because now I had a name for it. And also now I had a path to treatment or a path to address it or to talk about it in therapy or to start figuring out whether or not things are just my personality or something that's like atypically like neural atypical about my brain you know so Mm -hmm. claiming the thing can at the very least get you on the path to finding better coping mechanisms or dealing with that thing better so
1: drew do you do you have any terms that you do or don't engage with or that you think you may hold some claim to but like aren't comfortable using a la depression it sounds like anxiety is like a very comfortable thing for you to address
2: yeah i mean definitely depression anxiety it's interesting how much those things have shifted for me this year in particular where before i was always like sometimes depressed and my depression was always for me personally uh i would never speak blanketly about anything because everyone has their own experiences but for me personally my depression was almost always self-induced where it's sort of the cycle i end up in where i'm like i'm not feeling very creative or whatever so then I don't do the thing I should be doing and then I'm upset because I didn't do the thing I should have done and then now I'm depressed because of that Jarvis you talked about that before that sort of self-destructive yeah. that's been me my whole life um, yeah. and now that of course we pick the perfect job where we have no boss and we have to be our own fucking boss and it's great most of the time but then sometimes it's like you piece of shit do the thing you're supposed to yeah, do why
0: can't you executive function right now bro like, yeah. just go to so work yeah. and work eight hours that's what sometimes you're, just-
1: you're a terrible boss oh yeah, yeah. yeah. my boss sucks <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, I'm a terrible boss and a ter- terrible employee. Um, <laughs> I, I used to I used to be such a good employee when I worked for someone else and they would just tell me what to do and I would do it. I hated it, but I was really good at it. Oh, I yeah. always worked very hard. And then now it's, sometimes I forget how to do that. Big relief I guess yeah. what I, my point was that like in the past, my depression has always been very much like, it's kind of my own fault when things go wrong. And mm. the best way for me to deal with that is just be better. Not indulge in my depression. Because and, and, sometimes it's easy to be like, oh, you, you suck. I suck. I don't, do, I don't even deserve to be happy. And that's that's part of depression. Yeah, um, that indulgence, like the yeah. talking about,
0: where it's just like keeps speeding itself. Mm-hmm.
2: But and, yeah, and then you don't. Yeah, and then it's that cycle. So getting out of that cycle. But then this year, it's been more like, what is? Well, things will things ever be normal again? All of these things that are out of my control. So it's a different. It's a different experience. Um, and it does feel like more of a dark cloud. And I don't even remember what your question was, but this is just just keep my talking. Yeah, Just keep it. going. Yeah. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, I guess it doesn't even really matter at this no, point. No, no. Um, yeah. And then my anxiety in the past it, has has evolved too were and I still have I assume I still have social anxiety I haven't been able to test that lately (laughs) but it's always been very social for me, where I think like uh, I, oh, I'm excited to ha- do that thing this weekend, and then the day it comes, I don't want to do it all day, and I mm. I have to go to a go do a thing, and people are going to be there. It sounds awful. and Then I go and I do it, and I feel good having yeah. done it. Whereas now it's more, it's been more of like, what if I die? What if I have this thing <laughs> wrong with me? What if someone I know dies? What if it's uh, these things are out of my control? For me, put, get, putting it back in uh, in my control is a thing where it's like, okay, if I'm anxious about this thing, I need to figure out if I if if I have yeah. a reason to be anxious about it. Like I said, I don't want to just go get anxiety medicine if, if the thing I'm anxious about actually exists because then what the fuck is medicine going to do? It's, right, right, it's right, going right. to dull, yeah. dull dull, the, the pain, but I'm still, or not yeah. whatever, but I still haven't addressed the thing. How have you guys been with stimulants? Uh, I know you mentioned mm-hmm. you do take Zoloft. I've never taken antidepressants or anything like that. When my anxi- anxiety started to get bad this year, I started cutting out other things. Like I, I was never a big drinker before, but I just have completely stopped drinking at all. I stopped drinking caffeine for a while, which is mm-hmm. insane because I would say coffee is such a big part of my life. Every I would not right. go a day without having coffee. I would go, I would get a Venti cold brew from Starbucks, which yeah. is this gallon of, and Starbucks coffee is a whole different level of caffeine yeah, where it's like, yeah. so I went from doing that to like sort of to- cold turkey quitting and I stopped for a while and I did feel better And then it got to a point recently where I felt like my anxiety was back under control and then I missed caffeine. So I started drinking again. And now I feel like I have a good balance again. Right, right. I figured out the right amount of caffeine where it's like, I still like it. I still like doing it. I love coffee. I like the taste of coffee and I want this to be part of my life. Right. And I feel like even though I was, maybe I was more leveled out before, I kind of missed the highs. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah
0: really relate to that. And like stimulants for me, like I had, you know, undiagnosed ADHD for all of my life, but like found all these ways to all these coping mechanisms to deal with the symptoms. And Mm -hmm. so it's like, I would never do my homework or it was always hard for me to get me to do my homework. So I'd put myself in situations where I was doing homework in groups or I was whatever, you know, like Mm -hmm. I knew that I would never be able to study for like interviews for my old job, like working in tech and stuff. And they have these, like this ridiculous interview process. So I like became a teaching assistant for the class where that material is taught. So I constantly had to like have it fresh, you know? So it's like, I had all these coping mechanisms, but then a big part of it was coffee. And I never understood why coffee like made me feel so clear. Like as uh and it turns out that it behaves very similarly to, I take Vyvanse now for my ADHD. Mm -hmm. And I've tried like Adderall and whatever, like the craziest thing to me, first of all, from a like neurological standpoint, a lot of these ADHD medicine uh stimulants do the same thing yeah. but they but they have different side effects in people that no one really understands yeah. so you end up having to shop around like i took Adderall and i couldn't poop and that was the thing <laughs> i couldn't poop and then i i also was so sensitive to caffeine that i drink a sip of a one like there's uh, two big popular root beer brands there's like bark's and then like uh mug or whatever and uh, one of them is caffeinated and one of them isn't i was avoiding caffeine when I was taking Adderall because it was, it sort of amped me up to the point where I felt like I was in the movie Crank and like my heart was gonna like beat out of my chest. And I took a sip of fucking whatever the caffeinated root beer was at an airport and it was the worst experience of my life. So I was like, okay, no no Adderall for me. And also like before going into the medication side, I was like, okay, I know what my baseline is. I've gotten this far in life. All my coping mechanisms are cool. This is like, I'm going to see if medication is a, if it helps or hurts, like I'm always open to like, okay like my eyes get tired sometimes when I stare at screens all day. Let me put on glasses and see if that like makes my life a little bit simpler. That's how I think about it. And yeah. I have like a relatively small doses of Vivance. I take it every day. I drink one coffee in the morning shortly after my medicine. I feel that a really high peak. What used to happen before I was taking Zoloft is unrelated to the caffeine, I would have this big, big mood crash where like in the middle of the day, I was suddenly like, lethargically couldn't do anything about anything and had to like work up the energy to like go back into the world and all that energy was like building myself back up and I don't feel those crashes anymore so now I feel like I have a peak and then I level out the rest of the day unless you know something I get like really good news or something and it like improves my mood through that like I feel like my ADHD medication is maybe a 10 to 15 percent improvement on my clarity it's just enough that it's like worth continuing but it's not life-changing in any way like none of the side effects are like and for the zoloft as well and i don't want to become dependent on anything not that that, there's anything bad about that but i i do like feeling in control so i feel like Mm. i'm in a place right now where i've got like what i need from the medication to be acting at peace and i'm not seeking like sort of new solutions to my problems right now jordan how about you
1: i have a phd in this shit at this Mm. point Uh, (laughs) i am 100 percent medically dependent on my medication and i will never not be and i fully intend to remain that way mm-hmm. i spent most of my life playing on expert mode i feel like yeah like which is very frustrating because you now were, I look you at were it.
0: goku in a weighted gi you just like took it, off your head and I had like no oh, it idea was 30 the, pounds yeah
1: the weighted gi is the same color as my skin and so when i found <laughs> it and took it out, i was like oh well, this is what i look like and how i operate no i, I weirdly i don't really talk about severity much on the show because i sort of feel like it's it's people could misinterpret it as like a oh, so you're more of an authority on this because of your severity? It's like, no, it's all just the same shit with different milligrams, like whatever. Hmm. The... I have incredibly severe ADHD, and I did my whole life, and, and wasn't diagnosed until about two years ago. And the I'm a different human being. Just real quick,
0: due in part to like you had told me that when I was going through my experience with like getting diagnosed, we were talking about it on the show like back in 2017 or whatever. That was what kind of got you to look into it for yourself. Is that?
1: Yeah, you were definitely the trigger for that. And
0: not to and- give myself credit, I'll- it was more about like the show. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Pat me on the back right now. <laughs> but but more just like it's. I think it's so important to be able to have these conversations because like there are so many people who from hearing our stories will go well you know it can't hurt to take an evaluation or talk yeah that's exactly right you know what i mean i mean
1: the thing that you you gave me was more of a it was more than anything a framework for finding out Mm mm-hmm like you can, the, in the abstract, you can say, oh, well, I got diagnosed with this thing. And then you're like, ah, like, you, did you just go to a medical school and ask? Like, what was, what did you literally do? Yeah, and yeah. you had more specific recommendations. Or also you're that.
0: not weak by for doing it. That was another thing that was big for yeah. me. It's like, no one who has braces, anyone goes like, you're weak for getting braces. You're, you're, you're yeah. using like a, or you're weak for getting glasses. It's like, no, like we've normalized these things. It's time right. to normalize any, like you said this to me on a previous episode, Jordan. It's like, all the medication is doing is making sure that like, the chemicals floating around in your brain are like, the same ones that everyone else has you know you just as need intended to a, right yeah but you yeah.
1: intended chemicals yeah if you're breaking any higher yeah. or lower that's wrong like you yeah, yeah yeah, like uh nobody wants to be overstimulated by stimulants you literally want it to coffee is obviously that's like the most common in to realizing that maybe you do have a not so much a restriction on the chemicals flowing through you but like a misapplication of them mm-hmm. because there was a period of time where i would just go two fills literally every single day i would not go into the office and i wouldn't tell anybody i wasn't going to the office because i just couldn't introduce that into my mindset i would go to i would sit there for 11 hours and i would do an obscene amount of work with a medically dubious amount of caffeine <laughs> and the reason that that would yeah, happen yeah. i had no idea but all i could diagnose is that i wasn't able to change it just kept happening and this was the only way to stay sustainable and i always had this you
0: were like i can't be productive in the office like this is my like happy place
1: because i've been to and the I fill, don't fill have spot the resources were, yeah, to yeah, find yeah, out yeah. why <laughs> like yeah. there's no t- or we don't have time it's like uh it'd be like trying to quit like heroin during the zombie apocalypse it's like i just i just can't like i I get it but like right now the the risk is too big and um the, right now I, I take a, I'm on Adderall. Funnily enough, I when I did Vyvanse, I had the same experience you did with Adderall in reverse. Yeah, That's yeah, how yeah. buck wild it's, this it's shit is. Wild. It's like, you be the judge, try my drugs three.
0: <laughs> it's because we have the two oppo- opposing halves of the locket. That, that are, yes, the right, <laughs> <with> <laughs> half a pill in
1: each. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah I take that for, I don't even want to call it attentiveness, literally just chemical flow. And then the more I was doing it, even though I felt like a real human being for the first time ever, and I, I colors were all vivid and, and I could truly experience life then uh my volatility increased and that was the point where after i moved to LA, i saw a psychiatrist psychiatrist and they were like bro it's it's bipolar that's what's happening like there's nothing there's nothing mysterious or intricate about this it's just a very simple you're on a slightly indelicate rhythm by design and if you start taking a stimulant or drink a lot of coffee or whatever else you're (laughs) the scale of the sine wave is just going to go bigger and you're going to peak and valley a lot faster and a lot more intensely and now I, I don't know i feel very stable it's something i'm still a tad self-conscious about because i feel like i spent half my life talking about it because it is such a it's almost like being devoutly religious Somebody's like what are you doing this weekend you're like well well i'm going to church well that's because <laughs> you went through your whole life
2: yeah. Uh, without this thing that now is making your life more livable, yeah. and it's like mm. I, you want to shout it off the. That's it's the literally religion. the like gossip. Yeah, the good news. Yeah, yeah. 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 So You want to shout it because it's knock like, knock. oh, this changed my life. This opened my eyes.
0: Yeah.
1: Not unlike my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, no relation. Yeah, right.
0: It's just a different dude named Jesus.
1: Yeah, great bloke. <laughs> he
0: lives. He lives in uh, the Cotswolds in the UK with you. Drew, are
1: you tempted to explore that angle a little more? Religion. Uh, no no, i know you've been on reddit like me it's not for you are you more tempted to explore medication in some
2: um i have been especially recently um i did i think there's been a little bit of a stubbornness to it my whole life and a fear of it 2 i've always had a fear of medications in general because of the side effects and how much they vary from person to person like you yeah. guys are saying how yeah. how random and sometimes severe they can be mm-hmm. i've seen in my own life people who have gone down a slippery slope where they started with one thing and then okay cool now my you know now this is all but i can't sleep anymore so now i need right. to take something to help me sleep and then it, you yeah. know that that's how the pattern evolves. So I've always been like, kind of taken pride in like, but it's not so It's not really pride, because that makes it sound mm. good. It's more of a stubbornness to be like, mm. no, I'm going to go through life without stimulants and. Mm trying to do what was in my control recently. Caffeine was a big one for me. I think there more people should be aware of how much caffeine they're putting in their body and yeah. understand that that's, even though it's like, oh, I can't start my day without coffee. It's like, well, that's kind of a problem. Right, <laughs> yeah, right, right. Can't, <laughs> yeah, I can't, go, I can't live my life until my, uh, my stimulant goes, it's like, yeah. and you, and it's not like dosed in any uh, right. careful way. It's like yeah. co- coffee can be as much as like, you have one cup or you have three cups, or you have a cup at 5 p.m. to get through the right. day and you can't sleep and it's like I've always for a long time I was having trouble sleeping and it's like and once I stopped drinking caffeine I I didn't lay awake at night it's like oh yeah the thing (laughs) I do in the morning affects the thing I do at night who would have thought but yeah for me I definitely have thought about it feel like I'm in a good place now but I know that I'm always one one bad situation away from just biting the bullet and and getting into Mm. it and maybe that'll be the thing where it's like oh I should have done this years ago sure Um, but like like, you you know we're
0: all on our own you know timelines because I have no regrets about my in fact like, I'm very grateful for my experience thus far because I'm very similar to you, Drew, where I was like, I've gotten pretty far without any, you know, medication. Yeah. But, but then yeah. I'm like sort of getting to the point where I'm, I'm like kind of a little bit of a self-improvement kind of person where I'm like, okay, I, I figured out this problem. What's the next mm. problem? And then I reached a wall where I was like, oh, I just can't focus. And it feels really bad mm. when I can't focus. So like how am I and gonna- I'm
1: losing hours to this. Like I'm, I'm just losing, yeah, not as yeah. tall as Kevin butter yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, 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 That's why I'm losing.
0: The agreement that I had with myself in going the, the medication route, cause it's only been a couple years ago. I was like, hey, at any point you can nope out of this and you're fine. Stimulants in particular are non-addictive. So it's not like I'm going to like need to keep chasing this or mm. whatever. And I can see if it works for me, if it works for me, cool. If it doesn't, I was doing fine before I, you know, can continue along the path that I was doing. But I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't living life on hard mode, you know, like, is there something right. that I could be doing that's easier? Let's see. Okay. Well, you know, we, we tried, we gave it our all. There's always another option to yeah. try. And then there's no yeah. shame. And,
2: and, and there's no shame. Yeah.
0: How, how are you guys with, do you guys smoke weed at all? With ADHD, it's like weird. Cause I like, I do a little bit but it's my experience is strange. Uh and also I want to quickly say about caffeine and coffee. It's just it is a drug caffeine and it's funny how Normalized it is because if you replaced it with a similarly strong simu- stimulant, it would seem insane. How we talk yeah, about it, yeah. If coffee
2: came out of a mm.
1: syringe, we would be like, hold, hold on,
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. but, <laughs> but it but, might yeah. as well, with the way it right.
1: affects all yeah. the narrative the fact that we can replace it with whiskey, yeah. Then all of a sudden, the narrative is completely different. Hang on, mm. what
0: we assign to it as a society is like more negative versus like more accepted and, and even encouraged, or encouraged, yeah. And like, I was just gonna say that like coffee has had hundreds of years of being normalized in this way. You know, like during the like Renaissance and shit, they were like, have you heard of this shit? Like it's insane. <laughs> we're all writing basically the tea lobby of like the 1400s or whatever. They were like, oh no, coffee's gonna get in like the way of our tea business. Let's get the Pope to like say no to coffee. Cause all these people are like meeting up in their little shops and they're drinking their little coffee stimulants and then they're writing poetry and shit. We it can't like, no, 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 no. And then the, the Pope, original
1: working out of Phil's. Like I
0: heard this on a podcast, the NPR podcast uh, about history. The name is escaping me right now, but the Pope tried the cop tried coffee, and he was like. Yeah, this is pretty good actually. And then like, you know, like it was okay. <laughs> wow. Like, and th- that like sort of system of normalization isn't the same for a lot of these other things that would otherwise be on the same playing field as caffeine. One interesting thing is that like Tylenol is very strong and very dangerous, like acetaminophen. Mm. And like if Tylenol was introduced today, it would not be available as readily as it is. And it would be something that you needed to get b- behind the counter. But because we kind of have this, like, because we have like a culture around it and it's grandfathered in to being like, on the shelves, yeah. then like, so so it goes. That's
2: interesting, I hadn't thought about uh, that being introduced. Yeah, anytime there's something new, it's like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, hold on, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it
1: was literally the impact versus what was possible before. It was the pill from Limitless. It was truly like, <laughs> you know that thing that everybody experiences and basically is the routine of humans, like the way that they live? No need. Yeah. Just put these little blockers <laughs> in your brain that stop the chemical and makes you feel sleepy. I- I guess kind of for free. You right. just boil it for a while. I mean,
0: Elon Musk is putting uh chips in our brain now. So that's that's the next big move. Thank you, Tech Daddy. Can't wait. Yeah, pretty excited. <laughs> Will they have All
2: Bluetooth the that ask <laughs> for this, I guess? Yeah. <laughs> I did ask about weed and I forgot. Oh, I yeah. That, oh no, the, yeah. the just the re- reason the only reason I brought that up was because that is another thing that I cut out uh, mm-hmm. where I was I, I've never been one to smoke regularly. It certainly doesn't make me productive. So I've done it. Well, I did do it regularly, but I do it at night when I'm just like, you know, chilling, playing mm. video games, whatever I would yeah. do it almost every night, just take a couple hits of my vape. And with that, there's always, I always have the potential to, oh, I'm anxious, but I always am able to, right. a lot of times with, with, with weed, it would help me sort of face whatever I was anxious about. And then I would think about it and I would just accept whatever it is. And then I would feel yeah. better. But it was sort of a painful experience at first. And that's a lot of what people describe with like psychedelics. Sometimes, mm. sometimes you're just in denial about something and having to like force it with eyes wide open and, or face it with eyes wide open. That's like, oh, I can accept this and I can. But yeah, that's how weed was uh, for me for a while. And I would do it a lot. And, and then it's just hit that, that started to trigger my anxiety even worse. So that's something mm. I, I haven't mm. done that in several months, but that's been kind of a big part of my life for the past few years. It really at least in, for relaxing
1: but big same in that same period where i was just going to phil's exclusively and it actually triggered off if of i had a, a pretty bad drinking problem for most of 2017 and then was then in 2018 diagnosed with hey this is like a thing actually that people do when you have this condition and it's not being medicated and then as soon mm-hmm. as i got medication i was like this is not that interesting to me anymore <laughs> like i drink and i feel you know maybe a little tipsy a little bit fun but it's not giving me like a huge fucking rush of all yeah. the surplus chemicals mm-hmm. i didn't have access to And then, yeah, I smoked weed pretty much every night for about 18 months, and I had fun 15 times. (laughs) Like, most of the time it was exclusively, I want to get to sleep, and it makes... No, I'll take that back. It made practicing wave dashes amazing. And I would have <laughs> yeah. a lot of fun watching combo contests. But oh other god, than that, I'm like, so much
2: better at video
0: games when I'm high, but I can't next
1: level shit. Yeah, I, that's when I would so play Netflix focus. on melee and yeah. do okay.
0: What's really interesting is that like I've talked about I have like a very non-addictive personality when it comes to substances so far in my life. Like fingers crossed, where like like, like alcohol or weed, <laughs> it's like if it, it's out of sight, out of mind. I like don't crave it. I forget that it's there if uh it's not in front of me. Yeah. And and so Weed wasn't ever a thing that like was a practice of mine, but socially I would like engage. Cause it's like, whatever. Uh, but I never, but really, that's like, the worst
2: place to do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I never <laughs> yeah. understood why that became a social thing for people. It's yeah. like,
0: cause it, in a, in
3: high
2: school I would, you know, that's when I first started doing it and it's like, yeah, yeah. you just do, I've never experienced it. It's like I'm already awkward as fuck. I'm 15 yeah. and now yeah. I have this thing in my, it's like, but then I would do it at home and I can just, I don't have to worry about how I'm sitting or what, what my arm's nice. doing or whatever, all these things yeah, that yeah. don't fucking matter. Yeah. I can just live with with whatever and I can focus on what I'm doing and think differently about it. Yeah. I think
1: anxiety is a, has a huge relationship with that because anxiety often goes hand in hand with explicitly with social anxiety. Well, and true. the idea of, again, handicapping yourself with something that's already challenging is it seems like social suicide why would i do that
0: yeah i'm much more of a social drinker because i need like a for social interactions a little bit of lowered inhibitions make me like Mm. i have so much more fun because i'm not overthinking about the social interaction i was
2: thinking about that recently in college when i was the most critical of myself i've ever been and could not Mm. get out of my head for the life of me um I remember like I would always get so hard on myself. I would like, I'd wake up in the morning and I would feel like, am I funny today or am I not? And most Mm. of the time I felt like I wasn't, and it was a self-defeating practice of like, I and and I would just I I'm putting myself down before I even put myself out there. Yeah. Every time I think of a joke to say, I think about it in my head before I say it. And you lose that just I so I was just more awkward than anything. And then we would drink and I would. I remember being really f- making people laugh a lot when I was drunk. And I yeah. was, because it, it's like I, I was capable of doing it, but I would I was in my, my own way. Oh, 100%. And, um, yeah. So that being, and, and that's something I don't really drink much anymore, um, but it's definitely a social thing. It is nice to have the one beer. Yeah. I think Pete Holmes always talks about the one and a half beers mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, is yeah, yeah. the perfect amount. And any more than that is like, but that one and a half, man, it feels great. Yeah, PD. Uh, one and a half is
1: what keeps oh, you crispy. But definitely
2: out of sight, out of mind. If I don't have yeah. beer in my fridge, I'm not like, oh, I got to go get it. But if I have it, I'm going to drink it. So yeah. yeah, no,
0: same. I have a couple of home stories. One, when I moved to my neighborhood in LA, uh, I went to brunch with Anastasia, uh, our friend and who works with me on like assistant stuff because I need someone to hang out with me while I write because otherwise I won't do my work. Um, (laughs) But like we went we went to lunch and Pete Holmes was like the first person to walk in and I was like, welcome to the neighborhood. I've probably told this story before but I went to a Pete Holmes show in college like at the Atlanta Improv in like 2012 or something, 2011. And I was with my friend Jasmine and uh, Pete was doing crowd work and he pointed at me and Jasmine and he was like, are you two dating? And we were like, no. And then he pointed at another couple that was in the front row and he was like, are you two dating? And they were like, yes. And he looked at the guy and he was like, what's your name? And the guy was like, Jarvis. And I said, what? And he, and he looked back at me, and he was like, "Your name is also Jarvis." And I go, "Yeah." And he's like, "You guys have to hug now." So he like, I like hugged this other Jarvis at a Pete Holmes show, um, oh and it was God. like the weirdest experience ever. Uh, shout out to Pete Holmes, uh, keep it crispy.
1: It's so telling how, <laughs> how like uh, stressful the previous year has been because when you said that you made physical contact, I went, "Yeah, you." Uh, hmm. How far away you was okay? it? Was, what was, were
0: At least six feet away. You were using your wingspan you to, to do connect. That? Yeah. That's
1: irresponsible, Pete.
0: The last. Thing I wanted to say about weed and anxiety is that a very new experience for me with weed is that I have this problem right now and it's the dumbest shit in the world that I hate. It's the, it's like the weirdest anxiety that I have in my life. And it's that when I'm home alone, I want to like watch a TV show. And for some reason I can't always like get myself to engage my attention Mm -hmm. in, in the show or the movie. Like I, I have anxiety about not being able to be elsewhere my attention always wants to be like split in so many different ways and the thought of focusing on a singular thing like gives me anxiety to the point where i like Go on Netflix and I'm like, nah, nah, I can't watch any of this. I can watch maybe a documentary because it's informational and I can like be on my phone or something during. But whenever I want to watch something narrative where I need to be paying attention, I for some reason can't get over it. Never have this problem when I'm watching something with another person. I love going to movie theaters because it like forces my attention and then I can yeah. I can you're do in the, the movie
2: place. I'm you're here to yeah. do this thing. There's no reason to have a distraction. And I can you watch. You'll be shamed if you look at your phone. Exactly. So, yeah.
0: And but I, and I can watch YouTube videos because there's something about the. The parasocial element of it where it feels like I'm not losing that like attention thing but recently I like was high and felt the anxiety of like wanting to watch something but then I was able to push through it and I was like this is interesting like because you were to your point about the like just being able to focus or just being able to get over that like little hump that, that was interesting. And I was like, maybe this is something to keep in mind for the future. Yeah, I because when I'm high, I can
2: put almost anything on Netflix and and find a reason to enjoy it. But oftentimes when I'm not, I think a lot of this is is just the way technology is now or whatever, where it's like, maybe I have ADHD. I don't know. But you, I, I feel like I do need to be doing a lot of things at one time where it's like, mm-hmm. if I'm playing a video game, I should also be listening to a podcast because it's the <laughs> perfect time to be doing that. And if there's a loading screen, I got to look at my phone. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'm wasting- I also got to-
0: Click the fishing spot in RuneScape. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's this multitasking obsession. Yeah, it's it's so much more filling to be focused on the one thing than trying oh, yeah. to split your attention between a few. But, but I, I would I, but I would that.
1: throw out that like all three of us spend a lot of our time working on things where you can only focus on it. Mm-hmm. Like the, the design of what it is, especially say you're editing, yeah, or like sound yeah. design, yeah. music, anything like that. It is to the detriment of what you're making to have something else happening at the same time, especially mm-hmm. with dialogue. Yeah. Whereas if you're able to shift your focus, in your free time into okay i don't want to have my ears free because my ears are going to be thinking about the like music that i need to make or like sound design that i haven't done yet i don't want to have my eyes free because i'll just be looking around and undistracted by the world yeah i really don't want to have like if i watch something and i'm not Eating or drinking something, I gotta be eating something; otherwise, it's a
2: waste of time. Every
1: (laughs) available sense makes me more miserable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I want if the room doesn't smell optimal, if the my hands aren't playing a game or fidget cube or whatever, if my eyes aren't watching something in a decent aspect ratio, I just start losing my mind because it's a place for the anxiety to get in. It's almost like Helms Deep, building up as many walls as possible. That's why
0: coffee shops were so nice. Like I've never been so productive as when I'm in a coffee shop and I'm being all my senses are being like consumed by the sound of like noise or yeah. in like lecture, when I, I've i done so much great work ignoring a professor lecturing about a topic, like in college, <laughs> like, like for some reason, there's something about like everyone's sitting here doing this thing, I have perfect focus on whatever the fuck I'm doing on my computer. Yeah, Like I so relate to, I need to be doing something else. Like part of the reason, like the boring parts of editing, the parts that are straightforward, like there are creative parts. And that's fun for me. But the boring parts are like, I wish I could listen to music while I was doing this, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. or when I first started editing. Sometimes I will,
2: yeah. Sometimes when it's like, oh, I'm just going to be putting text on for a while. I've already listened to this part of the video. I don't need to hear it. I'll put music on. Yeah.
0: Things that you can get into a flow state with are things that like work with my brain, like where I can like lose track of time. When I was first learning Mm -hmm. to edit and everything was new, there were a lot of creative problems that fully engaged my brain. And now there are a lot of elements to it that are like, well, I know how to solve this problem. And it's, there's, going to be no interesting pieces for the next like three hours of cutting dialogue for this. So mm-hmm. I don't want to do it anymore. Cause it's like not fun, you know, like, or it's hard for me to get myself to do it.
3: Yeah.
2: Well, I also find though that sometimes the most tedious parts of editing are my favorite, just because if it's a time period during which I felt pretty unproductive, it's good to just do something mindless that is objectively productive. I'm putting, oh, yeah. I don't have to think about what I'm saying in the video, or I don't have to write. Writing can be a quick process or it can take forever. Sometimes I'll spend a week writing a seven page yeah. script. Yeah. Um, Um, But but editing is just like my mind is just focused on this and Yeah. During July, anytime I was having like my really bad anxiety periods, I realized once I finally had editing to do, I felt I didn't think about any problem that I was focusing on while editing that I was focusing on before. And I realized, oh, maybe it's not an issue if it doesn't happen unless I'm thinking about it. Mm. (laughs)
3: Like
2: if I'm able to just completely put my brain into something somewhat mindless, uh, then yeah. So that helped me. That definitely helped. Yeah.
0: No, that's actually, I think that's a really good idea. Like I felt that weird like nothingness feeling or of like boredom. Yeah, I should really just like edit or do the most mindless thing. That's a great idea.
1: I always get really excited if there's like a graphic asset to make or something. That is an opportunity where I can definitely listen to music. I'll definitely be encountering a problem I need to Google and think about and yeah. I'll almost certainly have a p- end product that I'm at least somewhat I've got to with. do
0: the thumbnail for uh, for the Danny episode and I'm looking forward to it because I'm like oh, I can listen to a podcast I can just like yeah. relax
1: you know what I mean like that'll be that'll be fun Sadie's like in the background just like are we doing dinner or what's up yeah and I'm
0: just like sorry <laughs> babe like, oh, no, I I am, relax. I'm relaxing right now it's like you are now listening to NPR and I'm like fuck <laughs> yeah <laughs> fuck uh, yeah Ira." so that about wraps it up for today I'm really excited about the conversation that we have we got into some really deep stuff can't wait to hear what everyone else thinks but we wanted to say thank you to drew for joining us thank you drew thanks for having me we end every episode of sad boys with a particular phrase now the phrase is uh we love you and we're sorry so jordan and i will perfectly in sync as if rehearsed say we love you and then you'll say and we're sorry and that'll be the end of the that'll be the end of the show
1: okay not the end of the episode it will be the end of the show. The
0: end of the episode, but then not the end of the stream. And we're, we're sorry. Or was I too early on that? No, you did it, actually. That was no, it. That's actually perfect. <laughs> okay. Jordan, one, two, three. We, we love, love you. you. And that's the end of the show, because Drew already said it. <laughs> <laughs> Boom! Gucci girl, Gucci girl, how you doing? How you moving, girl? Moving how looking that future girl, future girl, yeah, we are now. Take my money, go away, All oh you want it Girl, too rich for me